You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, hey, everybody. How you doing? Hey, you're racing again. David Hall. Hey, my mic's working. All right, Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, fellas. And welcome back, Steve Thompson. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here and glad to be part of the team. Yeah, so we're going to take a moment and just say welcome back, Steve. You've been a guest on the show before, but uh, now you're back as a team member. Uh, you joined Team Tafosi and uh, and you're going to be a regular on the show, so we're happy to have you. So let's get right to it. On the show this week, we'll be recapping a fantastic eNASCAR Coke Series race at Talladega. We'll try to answer some questions from a podcast listener. We'll see if there might be some concerns if you're getting a new NVIDIA 4000 series GPU. And we'll look at what might be the best steering wheel on the market. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of these great topics and products we'll be discussing by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's see you there. Sim Coaches offers a realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof, and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals. And they look absolutely amazing. Check out simcoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. Simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you've actually sitting behind the wheel of the car, drive harder, and stay on the limit longer. And I understand somebody might have used that coupon code this last week. And Lawrence is, you know, crazy as usual. He is knee deep in sim equipment. He has a go kart sim chassis now, or sim rig, uh, with a go kart seating style. Uh, he showed it on video today. It looks really cool. Let's talk Coke race first. The pre, before the race, uh, we heard from Logan Clampett announcing his retirement from the Coke series. After several years, he's decided that um, this will be his last. Yeah, I can imagine it's gonna happen to quite a few of them because they're pretty young. And once they get of age, they're gonna have to start doing something uh, financially with their life, so college or, or, or get a daytime job that's going to take them away from this. So eventually they'll have to make that decision, I, I assume. Yeah, and he alluded to that. that. I was going to say, he skipped out like having girlfriends and wives and families. <laughs> that's, Time to sometimes play that's up. important to people. <laughs> well, also think about how much the fun can go away 
when it, if if you're really spending all of your time practicing to get that good to find a tenth, a tenth here, a tenth there. I mean, think about how much the real drivers hated testing, and now you're doing it online, sitting in your room, and you're only racing once every two weeks. I mean, they they can run the other races as well, um, but they usually have to have a second account. I think that's an additional factor that uh, it just becomes less fun because it's now your job. And I know everybody always talks about, hey, it's awesome to get to do what you love for your dream job. Sometimes that's not actually the case. Yeah, especially so young. You get, like you're saying, burnt out pretty quick. But, you know, I'm sure he won't go away. You'll, we'll probably see him in some lobby here and there, but it just won't be in the coaxers. It, it kind of reminds me of something I heard from a pro football player. It's like, it's like you don't pay me for Sunday. You pay me for uh, Monday to Saturday. <laughs> and uh, I think that's kind of how it is for these guys. You know, they, they probably love the race itself. It's, it's just a lot of work preparing for it. My principal actually said the same thing to me that I, I don't get paid for that, that all state student. I get, I get paid for that, that student who is in a foster home and is getting in trouble every week. Talk about preparing for the race. Ray Alfala before the race posted up a reminder that he lives in Florida and Florida is about to get nailed by that hurricane. Uh, you know, the timing of the event would be they get hit the next day. So this was the night before the hurricane hit. Uh, and he was concerned about losing power and that kind of thing. But his goal, he said, finish the race before he's told to evacuate. Yeah, that's good. I hope everybody's doing good out there. We have some teammates on, in the Panhandle area. David, you're somewhat close to it regionally, so hope everything's good. No, they they don't get to us unless they hit Louisiana. When they whenever they land in Florida, it it just goes up the East Coast. We're a lot more central than that. I and did then, see that. I did. I'm sorry. I did see that Bobby posted an update that he lost power. What about two hours ago? Yeah, we haven't heard from him yet since. He's fine though. He's uh he's not on low ground. Let's just say it that way. He's also on the east coast, not the west coast. Right. There's high and, ground uh, in Evan, Florida. Well, he's a little inland, yeah. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, Evan Pasoko, um, who we've missed <laughs> desperately on the show recently, he's actually uh, down under. Uh, he went to Australia for his uh, day job, and basically. Uh, I was kind of wondering if he was going to be the broadcaster or not for the Coke race. And it turns out not. They decided to not have him broadcast. He was helping on the event, but behind the scenes, apparently. Um, and so for the first time, maybe ever, at least in my memory, uh, we had a Coke race without Evan. Can you remember a time there's been a race without him calling it? I don't yeah. remember any. So I think he had a really long streak there that just got broken. But, hey, we're, we're anxious to have Evan back. I'm sure he'll be back next time. Let's get into the race. All right, I'll go with the green flag. Uh, Graham Bolin and Garrett Lowe lead the field into turn one. Uh, Garrett Lowe leads uh, lap one. In lap two, a new leader, Ryan Luza. And by lap three, uh, Bowden enters the top five after he started 34. So after the third lap, he's already in the top five. Yeah, I think he went into the race saying he wanted to lead every lap. He was going to at least try to. Um, he was trying to be super aggressive and just win it, and uh, he came close. That's quite a bit of uh, positions to gain there in three laps. Especially with this group. 
Yeah, well, it's, it's going to be hard to leave, lead every lap at, at Talladega. And, you know, through uh, the first five laps, um, it seems like there's there's like a new leader at every lap. You know, Garrett Lou led the first one. Ryan Luza led part of one. Casey Kerwin was leading. Malik Ray, who's, um, who's really good at these super speedways. They've all uh, had leads at some point. And um, at six laps, there's been six lead changes with Luza goes back in the lead. Uh, and... Um, Colin Keister gets a uh, laps uh, gets the lead on lap six, and uh, Graham Bowen, uh, who was on the pole, he he never he never got a uh, got to the lead. So uh, being on the pole doesn't necessarily mean you're going to lead any laps here. Um, so on lap eight, Ryan loses back. On lap ten, um, uh, Parker is back, uh, making his uh, uh, his truck debut this weekend. That's a uh, Parker Resclap, and uh, he he's a uh, enters uh as leading on lap 10 by lap 13 it's uh Bowden back in the lead and lap 16 parker enters the top five and he's coming up strong yeah he was coming up from the back and pretty neat to see him in the trucks uh this weekend can't wait to watch that um but yeah i mean this was a great traditional restrictor plate pack racing a little bit different than what i've seen in our races and nis and stuff it i mean the rows were coming and going i mean and and all three of them they were using middle outside inside and it just really depend on you know who how they hooked up and then who had the momentum but it was shifting all the time because guys were darting from one lane to the other just trying to you know, domino uh, their way up to the lead is basically, it was pretty cool watching it. Nice. Well, things started to settle down. Uh, Bowden had been leading for a little bit. Uh, now he's got a committed combo of cars behind him working together. Uh, 18 laps have been completed so far. A lot of red names running in the back, uh, meaning playoff drivers. Uh, Mitchell DeLong, DeJong, uh, Michael Conti, Nick Ottinger, Femi, Olat. Leave it at that. Bobby Zelensky and Matt Busa, six of the ten, all in a pack of their own in the back. Uh, back to the lead changes. Clampett pushed uh, Parker to the lead and then took it to uh, took it himself. Multiple lead changes followed. Currently leading at lap 26 is Casey Kerwin. A special moment for Honeycutt, though. He was the leader by lap 30. Uh, Caden was racing for his grandfather that night as he had passed away earlier in the day. Yeah, um, you know, family member passes away and you decide to go ahead and race the event anyway. I mean, you're trying to win it for the for the family member, I'm sure. And uh, it was an emotional moment. Um, uh, you know, after the race, Caden uh, pretty much said it, said so. But interesting that the playoff guys uh, were grouping up in the back trying to stay, you know, out of the wreck. And uh, sometimes that always doesn't help. And so, Brian, that brings us to halfway. Yeah, can you hit this? Um, I'm having a little technical difficulties here. No problem. Oh, okay. They came up uh, halfway, still clean and green. Uh, Kerwin, Reynolds, Ray, and Bose, Bordeaux, Bowden, Keister, Vincent, and Duvall, and Alt. That's your top 10. Lap 34, Casey Kerwin leads seven cars on the pit road. Uh, lap 35, Honeycutt and more pit. Lap 36, uh, Dylan Alt leads another small group on the pit road. 32 to go, the rest uh, pit, except for Cody Bias. He's out there all by himself. Not a good thing. 31 to go, uh, Bolin, or Graham Bolin cycles to the lead. 
pit stops have cycled while they're four wide and still green flag racing. 27 to go, Femiola gets squeezed into the wall and they stay green. Well, I thought we had our first caution there. Uh, Femi got squeezed, of course, uh, they all stream by him, but uh, nobody collects him and they keep on going. But the green flag stops were interesting. Um, you know, David, the pit window, I think this week was 34 to 37. And, you know, we saw the leaders, you know, as soon as that opened on 34, a bunch of them jumped in there. Uh, but on this thing, it's almost like you want to get the, it's like a road course. You want to get the pit work done for the final time before everybody else, because if something happens, you're going to cycle to the lead. I had an A open race where, I sped in the pits and so did two other guys in the green flag cycle. And so we were all stuck together and the leaders were five seconds behind us and never caught us over 40 laps and they had the full pack. So what happens if you get three or four really good cars that really know how to keep a tight bubble um, where, where they're not slamming and they're, they're just staying in and, and keeping that, that speedometer right between 190 and 195, that can be faster than the big pack where they're side drafting and slowing each other down. So one of the advantages of coming in early is getting out of the, all that side drafting. Uh, so yeah, it, it has turned into kind of the road course strategy. You can, and I've called, made this call before in league races. Remember where we all tried, tried to get, get in before everybody else and just get separated from them by getting out of that side draft. And I'm sure they're thinking the same thing. Yeah. I think it was a group of dead zone cars, if I'm not mistaken, but. All right. So, uh, we're at 25 laps to go now with, uh, Steven Wilson in the lead. Um, and, uh, on with 25 to go, Caden Honeycutt's. Honeycutt, uh, he spins into the wall, but no caution comes out. They stay green. Um, later that same lap, Malik Ray takes the lead. And, uh, you know, there's at this point, there's three, three lanes wide, uh, coming and going, mixing it up three lanes all the way around the track. Just, just some big pack racing, really, really good racing, uh, with 20 to go. I mean, there's probably five or six wrecks that never actually happened in the past two laps. You know, people are they're just, uh, avoiding wrecks or, or getting really close to it, but it just never unfolded. But, um, finally, um, there is a big caution with 20 or 19 to go. Uh, it's a disaster for Femi a lot. Um, he goes around after contact with Liam Brotherton, who may have hit D Dylan, Dylan um, Alt. Uh, Blake Reynolds and Luza and more are all involved with 19 to go. Yep. It finally got that break in the action. I mean, I can't believe it stays green till then, but as we've seen in real NASCAR, I mean, these cars have uh, too much downforce. They're really hard to wreck in these kind of racing. These guys were, were bouncing off each other in these three lanes and, 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 and they weren't wrecking, I mean, because of that. And so, um, eventually, you know, these guys were being aggressive and it happened. And so it was the big one. Both the restart with 15 to go Ottinger and Kerwin lead the field into turn one, uh, with 13 to go Alfala Alfala leads, uh, lots of comers and goers, three lines of racing in the pack, lots of jostling and changing of lanes, uh, with 12 to go, uh, Bose now leads, uh, caution, it's another big one. Nick Shelton up and over twice, uh, multiple times. Mitchell DeLong and Femi Olat involved. He's on the bottom. They stay stacked up, checked up big time, and he gets ran over and turned from behind. Uh, eight cars involved. They lot down into the grass. Yeah, a lot down into the grass, including our eventual winner, 
who avoids contact with anyone but had to go clear down into the grass and drive around the whole mess uh and he goes on to eventually win it but uh yeah so we got the big one twice and and uh boy it's always something to see that car up and over multiple times flipping through the air i don't think it actually went into the grandstands though all right, so uh, we're back to a restart with seven to go, and Alan Bowes and Malik Ray leading the field into turn one. Uh, Malik takes the lead on the top, and they're three and even four wide, then contact and a big wreck on the backstretch. Um, and uh, uh, Steve Wilson, he has, a, has some connection issues and uh, happening at the same time that the field is, a, is accordion from the wreck and more trouble for these playoff drivers, including Steve Wilson and Nick Ottinger. Um, so a big caution uh, comes out right there. Uh, Connie gets shuffled to with uh, with three to go on the restart, um, two and three and four wide. Then they pile up out of four. Two cars went to the middle at the same time, and they wreck mid-pack. And we're going to have a green-weight checker overtime finish. Yeah, two quick cautions. And the, the first one, I mean, Stephen Wilson literally blinked out as the accordion was happening. As the cars were making contact, like the guy behind him was driving into him, that's the moment he disappeared off track. Um, now, I was a little dismayed that iRacing decided not to give us any other replays. They showed it once. And of course, they saw a car blink out. They weren't going to show it again, I think. And uh, it was a little disappointing because I wanted to see it again to see what the checkup was all about. But I understand they don't want to show that on air. But um, but that's what happened. I mean, I think there was an accordion thing, but Steven, Steven blinking out really did cause the wreck. Yeah, at their overtime restart, uh, number one, uh, Guest and Malik Ray lead the field into turn one both looking for their first uh, win in the Coke series. Outside lane forms uh, Guess Ray Alt. They break free on the backstretch. Alt dips out of line and gets freight trained. We know we now have a line of six at the while still on top. Bowden gets pushed by Kerwin to the bottom to lead the top uh, degenerates. Kerwin takes a, a look. They hit. He goes below the line and comes back up. Uh, door slam. Uh, Bowden back up the track. Bowden goes up and clips Bobby, who is uh, in third, but Bobby Zelensky squeezes by for the win. And Zelensky wins at Talladega by 0. 0.024 of a second. Wow. And all race long, I mean, the, when they were lined up, the outside was the place to be, and the the bottom always disintegrated. But on this white flag, it was just the opposite. And uh, boy, I mean, they just got ahead of steam when they dropped down to the bottom and they just took off. And, and, and like you said, the top lane just kind of faded. Um, at that point, you know, they're door slamming. I mean, these guys are teammates and they're door slamming each other uh, for the win. You know, after they get out of four, he waits plenty long enough, but I don't know. I mean, he, he gets under him. He, it's under the yellow, even the yellow line. Uh, and then somebody on the announcement crew said, hey, there's no yellow line rule in this series, by the way. Uh, and then he door slammed him three times coming up. Uh, and then they slowed him up just enough that third place, who's Bobby Zielinski, you know, squeak spy. And uh, boy, he's going to make it to the top four for the championship now. That is awesome. That was good to see his uh, teammate pushing another teammate below the yellow line. So 
Well, it's a, you know, shame on them for not winning the race. If they would have stayed lined up, you know, they would have had the win, probably. Gives me Team Penske flashbacks. <laughs> so what do you guys think of the, was it clean? Was it, you know, the way Kerwin went down below the yellow and then came back up trying to, you know, door slam the guy, you know, to second? It was clean for Bobby. I think I've seen a replay of almost that incident in our uh, group chat this week. Yeah, I mean, it happens. Are we ready to jump into some topics, guys? All right, the first one we have, we got an iRacing Highlights Week that was posted uh, for the week of September 23rd, and it includes a video of Dell Jr. Yeah, the very first one. Dale's in a three-wide street stock finish, and at one point, they're actually five wide, and that is like a pitcher, I tell you what. Yeah, it's really good. Drafting with the street stocks, uh, the slower cars and those bigger tracks, it's a lot of fun. After watching this one, though, it makes it reminds me I need to keep better track of what cars run where. I get stuck in pigeonholed sometimes and running, you know, the same stuff over and over. But I always forget how much fun the street stocks are in the big mile and a half. Well, that's what's neat about these videos. It reminds you about all the diversity out there. Uh, you know, we all own all these cars we never run. You know, and I, you forget about them, like you say. You know. There is a league that runs on Sunday nights that does a lot of bouncing around with different content and crazy combinations. They even have a night where you don't know what car and track it is until an hour before the race, and they, they spin a wheel on on the Discord live, and then everybody jumps in with that car and track. Now, is it a list of tracks uh, that you know going into it that you would have to own? Because if you spin the wheel and you're like, ah, crap, i got to buy that one real quick. That they generally tend to, to lean towards all the legacy free stuff. So the first uh, clip, the number one, uh, pretty cool. It looks like Porsche's at the Nordschleife, and basically he gets four positions in the final lap to, to take the win. And it's pretty cool how you know you, you're you're funneling down. You're going so fast on the fast part of the track, and you have to funnel down to this slower corner. And it's just like a game of chicken almost. Like, who's going to slow down first? Well, even though we were just covering the race, uh, John De uh, Dubuque, or is it actually Dubuque? Is that is that a misspelling? Dubuque. It, it, it is Dubuque. I thought he had an E in there. Um, anyway, he posted in the forums that he's looking for more details about the Coke Series Championship uh, to, be, to be held. And, um, yeah, Mike, you got named in this one, didn't you? Well, you too. I think he's... He actually uh, insinuated that you and I should be invited to actually be there at the event. And which weekend is it, though? Well, he's got a lot of information here. Because yeah, October, I don't know the exact date. October, there's no such thing as a is a weekend for me. Right. Well, I mean, he put a lot of questions up here, like what are the details? What you know? What's the scoop? I don't think he got any answers, though. No, I'm not seeing no answers. Could be something they haven't figured out quite yet. Maybe uh, you know that stuff's coming soon, but you know it's, it's kind of late to <laughs> to start posting details about something like that um, when there's probably a lot of travel and stuff like that involved. Well, think about just how few tickets are probably actually available if it's in a little venue. Well, Evan, 
for sure told me he's going to be there. So he has been invited, I guess. <laughs> he's going to be the announcer. So he's he's going to be there. We know that for sure. I don't think we know anything else. How much time would you guys realistically need in order for yourself to leave where you're at and get out to Charlotte? I'd need four days. It's a long drive or flight. So if you, to include all the travel time, it would. I would have to get a substitute and and need about four days and also need it to not be marching season. Four days is impressive though. Well, I mean, that's how much that's what I mean by that is that's how much time I would need off, not, not how much time I need to prepare for it. I could, if I wanted to go somewhere just for the weekend, being a single guy, uh, it's getting a car and go. All right. We have a report of some download and update problems. Um, they have seen an increase in the number of people that are encountering issues with downloading updates over the last two weeks, and they're trying to get more information on the issue. So in order to do so, they've adjusted a setting on their end that the iRacing service running locally on your machine should pick up. And then there's some instructions on our on our script with the link to the to the iRacing forum post. If you go there, you can see specifically what to type in, and we'll, we'll let you go look that up to drive a little traffic to the website. I actually had a problem where I, I would download the update and it would be done. And then I refreshed the website so it would go green, but it wouldn't. It'd say update still needed. So I would do it again and then it would work. And so there was a couple. And then I think another update, I had to do it three times where um, it just didn't finish correctly the first time. So I usually don't have any problems, knock on wood, but it's probably related to this. That sounds a little bit different than previous. I know one time there was there if you something gets corrupted, there's a file that you have to delete that basically makes it think iRacing has been uninstalled, and then it'll it'll turn around and recheck everything and update everything. Yeah, I've had issues off and on since the season three build. I think I put it in the group chat, but uh, I was just reading through this one as you're talking about it. Uh, yeah, I have. I would say if I'm in the UI and I go to click an update, fifty percent of my updates won't update they kick me out and say error then i go to the website update through the website and i'm usually 100 percent there but even loading into a sim from the ui it's it's real hit and miss and uh it's actually taking me back to the website honestly uh, i've been using that full time lately yeah which one is more reliable right well now i have to paint though in the ui and that's kind of annoying but uh but yeah so far the website's hands down is uh more reliable all right, since we haven't really gotten our uh, our new g guest host to chime in, I'm going to stick uh, Steve Thompson on the, the hot seat. What do you think is the most difficult turn one in motorsports? Well, according to the uh, poll here, it looks like Monza is. Monza. Monza yeah, that chicane is rough. Yeah, that chicane at Monza is really rough. Well, I was thinking Monza Oval, actually, which is a uh, turn one for that is... Uh, pretty hairy too that's so, one of the that's the rough but all the all those chicanes i don't know maybe it's just that the, those are the easier turns for me i struggle more on stuff like sweeping turns usually than than a, than a 90 degree because all you got to do is break at the right time the, what makes it so rough is that you're around so, on turn on turn one you're around so many other people who don't break at the right time looking at the replies i mean i see a lot of people saying indy 500 late race restart with a chance to win Particularly if you're leading, because you don't have you, uh, you don't have the same uh, the the handling of the car is different when you're in front, and if you don't have the weight jacker right. 
Also, um, I saw Charlotte Rover if, uh, Roval turn one a few times, and I've had more trouble there than I've had in Monza as far as making personal mistakes. I'd say my personal most frustrating turn is uh, turn 12 at Spa, that downhill left-hander that's kind of high speed but not high speed, uh, and depending on what car you're in, um, dictates how you're going to take that corner. But for me, that's my most frustrating corner. Hockenheim ring, I really don't like turn one. That one kind of annoys me. Is that a, that's like a 45 degree high speed, right? Turn one? Yeah, it's fairly sharp, yeah. And then Suzuka, their turn one is kind of iffy too at times. If that's considered turn one, but it's like that high speed 45 into a sweeping turn. Coda can definitely be tricky, especially in the stock car, because it's so blind when you're turning to the right there. Hey, I race needs to fix their track limits for stock cars for Coda, then that track will be fun. Yeah, it's too bad they can't do it that way. I think it can only be set per track. So let's flip it. What's the favorite turn one? <laughs> Daytona. <laughs> Road course. Yeah, you know, somebody mentioned that Watkins Glen in a stock car was their worst turn one, but I, I actually like that one. If you can avoid the wheel hop in the old school cars, uh, it's not too terrible. So I, I don't mind turn one at Watkins Glen. Yeah, the low-speed corners, it's just a matter of uh, making sure you brake in the right place and, and have throttle control, and it's especially easy if you have Simcoach pedals. Well, Watkins Glen has a lot of runoff area, too. You can, you know, if you get pushed off the line and, and still recover it without destroying your car or something. I like uh, Lime Rock Park, this, this kind of a sweeping uh, U-turn. Yeah, it's a double apex as well. All right, uh, Mike, it looks like Dave Cam is talking favorite oval tracks. Yeah, uh, he put up a video, posted uh, NASCAR truck classy race fixed at Texas Motor Speedway and found that it's his newest favorite oval track. And um, he had a few moments during this race uh, where, you know, he was three, four wide uh, trying to get around wrecks that were happening around him and seemed to do fairly well. Uh, but it was kind of fun to to see how he worked the traffic, uh, worked uh, his positions, and and came up through there. I uh, was entertained. Yeah, I was. I but was this... entertained too. But yeah, like most of his videos, um, he um, I, I like at the beginning. He says he he didn't qualify to start the race, and uh, and and his reason was because he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> which was pretty funny to me, but he did wind up finishing seventh place. And I was really impressed with how he drives. And, uh, um, he, you know, he, I don't think he does a lot of ovals. I never see a whole lot of oval videos, but when he gets into one, he's, he's very competent. So, uh, I, I really enjoy watching him race these things. I actually posted a response on his, uh, webpage and I love to see him do the ovals. Um, so it was pretty cool. Um, and it gives him a chance to run that awesome BDH shifter that he's got. You know, he's normally running uh, he's normally running GTs and open wheels stuff once in a while. He doesn't get a chance to use that shifter that is the bomb. That is an awesome shifter. I was, I was looking through his comments too in the video, and he was taking a little bit of heat for liking Texas so much when the popular thing is to hate it. But usually when the popular thing catches on, we're all supposed to hate Texas. But uh, he, he seems to enjoy it. It wasn't, even though I didn't have great luck, it wasn't that terrible to drive, in, especially in the next-gen car. So I like that his audience, if you look at who watches his videos, I think a lot of them are European road 
road road guys. And so they're not really exposed a lot to the to the oval stuff. And I think, you know, when they see Dave Cam running this oval and 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 he's basically telling them, hey, you know, this is hard. I mean, th- I mean, this is hard to ra- to race this, and it's different. You know, it's a different kind of hard than road racing. And so, uh, yeah, that impressed me a lot. Uh, I mean, uh, our friend podcast, the Into the Apex guys, they had a basically an o- very oval centric show the other day, even though they're mostly road guys. Right, uh, they get they've got an oval team that that runs, and 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 then they've got they've got a lot of road and major series stuff going. But um, they were talking specifically about how they find it harder to practice for ovals and find the, the extra speed compared to road. They when when you get on the road course, it's pretty much just kind of learning the course, and when once you know the course, you you just got to be consistent. And but finding that extra tenth or to half a second is just, it's just a whole different level of hard. Add to that, you're right in the, you're always more in the thick of traffic. You're definitely riding on the, on the far edge of control all the time. It's, um, it is a skill set, and re- actually not that many of your open wheel guys have come over and, and been successful other than just a couple of really greats in the, in the far past. The other thing I want to point out is, this is very much like a stream. What you would see uh, a stream, you know, people put up their stream of their race on Restream or whatever, Facebook Live, you know, YouTube Live, Twitch, whatever it is. This is pretty much the same kind of content as that. But what Dave Cam's done instead of just live streaming it, which maybe he did, he's made it into a, a proper YouTube video with some editing where he talks about the race before and after you know, with his face to the camera. And I just want to say out loud, uh, it was it's easier for me to digest this type of content that's in YouTube where I can go and see it and hit play and, and, and consume it in my own time rather than trying to go find Dave Cam when he's actually live running the C-Fixed and, and, and click on his Twitch channel. I mean, I just can't consume content by watching live streams. It just doesn't. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm too old. A lot of the it's live a good idea, though. A lot of the live stream. If you, if you, the guys who are really successful, they do, they just get a lot of fan interaction, and that's 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 really almost more what it's about more than the content. Yeah, I'd rather see this for content where it's a you run a race. You know, you you record it as if you're streaming it, and then you you edit it up and you add a little music and an intro, and uh, yeah, you make a nice little video. All right, I got to turn on my super radio voice for this one, Brian. An emotional PEC contender series win, and and of course Brian's froze up again. I think Are you copy. It looks like Brian's having a little bit of. He's just uh, thinking about the video. Can, can uh, either that or yeah, he's getting pretty emotional himself. Um, so Donnie, did you get did you get to take take this one over? I did. Uh, that Jeff Giassi has a very emotional response after his first win in the Porsche Esports Contender Series. Uh, so a tweet by Overtake uh, underscore GG. Uh, this is beautiful. Jeff Giassi wins the first race of the Porsche Esport Contender Series and shows real emotions. So watching the video, he wins the race, and uh, just shortly after crossing the finish line, he essentially has a, um, I'll say, a happy meltdown. And it looks genuine, authentic, and it really meant a lot to this kid. So it's good to see have, I do have a question for you guys. I, I watched the Porsche series 
um, when it was in the actual series, do they usually do a contender series like this? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, this is to figure out who's going to race. This was the first of the contender series. And uh, this guy, I think he's Brazilian. Uh, he won it. And yeah, like you said, the emotional breakdown. I don't even think he parked the car. I think he just rolled across the finish line. He, he crashed and he it right broke out the wall. sobbing. <laughs> yeah, he just... He was just sobbing immediately, uh, if, you know, his hands, to, you know, in his face and and his family coming in and patting him on the back, you know, and and it was a happy, uh, you know, emotional breakdown. Uh, Steve, I mean, you had a pretty emotional night last night. Did you did you do it like this? <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I, I mean, it was I had a great time last night, but I didn't get quite that emotional. Was it Pretty was cool. it Malik Ray that jumped out of a seat while the car was still rolling one one time? Yeah, well, he and he hadn't even won it yet. He hasn't won yet, and he didn't win. Maybe maybe it was a contender series that Malik Ray won. He was so happy for. I don't remember. Uh, oh yeah, yeah maybe it was. Yeah. No, I remember him jumping out of the seat after he as he was after he crossed the finish line, but the car was still rolling. Yeah, it's probably one of the latter oh, series, I, but I do remember that. I think maybe right. it's one of those one like the Daytona race or something. Yeah, I think it was a special event thing. All right, Brian, you're right back in time for dirt. Yeah, so uh, Monday night was the World of Outlaw Late Models presented by Butt Kicker. Um, round nine of the 10, 10 week series race at Volusia Speedway. It's a Florida, Florida race, um, half mile D shaped oval track. Um, and, uh, coming into the race, uh, Evan C was on, you know, cruising, cruising with, uh, with his, uh, spectacular season way ahead in the points. Blake Majulis was in second and, uh, and uh, Evan C takes another win. That's five in this season so far. He's won five out of nine races. He won his heat race again. Um, started on the uh, started on the outside pole, um, and uh, took the win on this one. This was an exciting, exciting race to watch. Um, it's it's on iRacing's YouTube channel. I would highly recommend it because uh, the ending was just was just fantastic. So um, I'll recap it here real quick. Um, and also, Blake Majulis for the third week in a row, you know, he's second in points. This is the feature. He has to come up through the Conxies, started in P17, and uh, he rode all the way up and uh, finished P2 from a P17 start, which is amazing. He had a, a great car. Part of the reason was because of the action on the last lap of the race. So um, Evan C was actually battling for a long time um, with um, – uh, for the win, um, he was leading, going back and forth with uh, Kendall Tucker. So those two guys were really battling out for uh, uh, the for the win. Um, Kendall Tucker was good about like a lap, about halfway through the race. Um, Evan C started running him down when it, uh, as the laps were closing down, and was actually faster than him with about five laps to go, and uh, and was battling with uh, Kendall Tucker to to get on to get in the lead. Well, Kendall Tucker was a little slower, and the only way that Kendall could uh, could keep up with him was by 
you know, rubbing into him, just uh, coming off the turns and, and washing up to him and uh, taking his speed away by making a little bit of contact. And uh, on the final lap, uh, Kendall Tucker actually comes out on the turn, one, turn two and actually makes heavy contact. He kind of threw a Hail Mary slider and just uh, kind of walked up into into Evan C. Evan C. got all kinds of sideways. He didn't didn't wreck, but he he uh, slipped about two car lengths behind Kendall Tucker going down the back straight. And then when they go into three, uh, Evan C. just sends it and just wipes out Kendall Tucker. It was a uh, it was. On purpose, but it was a care. Uh, it was a it was a move where he just didn't care if it worked or not. If he got wrecked, if he wrecked him, or they both wrecked, it didn't matter, because he was really upset with the way that he uh, he knocked him out of uh, out of the lead on the lap, coming out of lap two. So they both. So Kendall Tucker actually wound up flipping, hitting the wall, flipping over, landing on his lid. Kendall Tucker was able to save to the point where he could just get to the line and uh while all this was happening blake majulis was just closing in as these guys were beating on each other and came within like a tenth of a tenth of a second of winning the race from uh, p17 so i highly recommend it because it was uh, to watch it was it was a really really exciting finish and uh you know two guys who were not happy with each other just going at it on the last lap of a race so uh, another win for Evan. Again, uh, um, he's got nine weeks in the books. He's won five out of nine races and four second places. So he's going into the last week, uh, next week, next Monday night at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway, the dirt track. And um, they uh, he's he's got a chance to, to wrap this up. It's pretty much the points are already wrapped up. But he's got a chance to wrap up a season where he never finished worse than P2. I don't know where it was, but I think I saw um, Hayden Cardwell, who's a championship from another champion from a different dirt series. From, no, it's from this. He was champion last year in this series. Oh, was he? Yeah, he was saying, yes, he was. oh, I, I wouldn't get away with racing like that. <laughs> uh, he, You know, he commented about that hit um, saying, like, that wouldn't, have, that wouldn't have flown last year. Well, and... Uh, if it was, yeah, if it was for the win, and um, you know there was no previous incidents, I, I would agree. But I think iRacing probably the stewards, because when this race ended, they said the unofficial winner, winner Evan C, implying that you know they were going to have to review this thing and decision whether anybody gets a gets their um, position taken from them. But I think probably what happened was they realized they they figured you know this was. This was an issue where those two guys were beating on each other. Um, Evan C wasn't the first one to to make that move, and he had been been beaten on for the past three or four laps coming into it. And um, you know, he just, he, I think they just said, "Well, you know, he got what was coming to him, and we'll let it slide." Be my guess. Look, he's got an eighty-three uh, point lead, so I don't think it matters anyway. Well, after this race, he did, but before this race, it was it, you know, it was a little less, but still, still well within, well out of reach, pretty much. All right, this next one I'm actually pretty excited about personally. Um, you guys know I probably know I drive a Nissan, and it's coming to iRacing. Uh, according to Sports Car 365, Nissan has launched the Nissan Nismo Z GT4 GT4 car ahead of its competition next year, um, and. 
I guess maybe it's coming to iRacing or not. This tweet doesn't really say anything about that, but no, it's not coming to iRacing yes, that we I, know of. Yeah, I'd imagine it potentially that we it. know of. Yeah, yeah, with the Ford we, we talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, that's two GT4s they could add add to the lineup. So why not? I don't have any GT4s yet, and I would buy this one just to have it, just because it's a Nissan. We have any other Nissan cars in the service? There's some classic ones, kind of throwback ones. Well, so they're going to one of the yeah. old prototypes. It says it's going to uh, race in competition next year. It doesn't say what series, so I'm sure if it's racing IMSA, iRacing would want to scan it along with the Ford. So do it in one day. Let's get it done. It's a nice looking car too. And it seems like iRacing has put a lot into the GT series. They get a lot of participation. All the big events in the GT series get great participation, like Daytona and uh, and and all those uh, special events. So I think it's probably something iRacing wants to uh, stay on top of, um, just because of how the popularity of it. Yeah, you speak of popularity. I can think of this. An A open the other day for Talladega, which usually brings out the most oval people, got up to about 150 registered. I have seen, I um, can't remember if it was Monza or Daytona, but I have seen just on a regular A, or it's a C class series. I have seen, or no, IMS is a B class. I have seen up to 400 registered for one of the two hour, on the two hour races. Yeah, people were wanting that two-hour uh, mini endurance series from IMSA, and they got it, and it looks like it's uh, popular. Well, the one with the 400 people registered, that's just the 45-minute sprint series. So hopefully we'll get to see it. At first, I thought, oh, cool, it's coming to iRacing, but no, it's just being, being put out. I, I, I have a, a hat, you know, I have a crossover because I have to carry instruments everywhere. and don't really have the sports car anymore, but I'd love to have this. I do actually have a band director friend who has a, has a three, 350. So I might take it for a test drive. So this next one, I'm going to throw to Steve because I know he's not looking for a new team. Nope. I found my new team. Uh, this one's, are you looking for a new team? IWC watch it, watches is calling for all F1 esports and iRacing fans to join their esport team. Um, so you can go to their website there, IWC.com and uh, I guess you can register to see if you can uh, join their team. Yeah, so basically, I was looking at this website. You go to it, you have to choose either George Russell team or Yarno team. Then you have to follow them on social media. Then they offer you to sign up for iRacing with an exclusive free trial. And then you join the Fastest Lap Challenges which uh, to win a spot on George or Yarno's team at the final live event in London. And so I believe this is a time trial, but it doesn't say specifically. I'm glad I didn't have to go through all that. Does it it have to be only new joiners? I don't think so. I think they just offer that as so you can do it. And they're using iRacing strictly to, to promote this? Well, it says iRacing. I don't know if there. I've seen other simulators listed. Interesting. I've never heard of IWC watches, but uh, sounds interesting. I don't know. So at the bottom, it says there's going to be a fastest record lap at the final live event in London where they'll give away a pilot's watch chronograph, 41 edition, the Mercedes AMG Patronus Formula One team watch, 
The runner-up team will get the Mercedes driving experience at Mercedes-Benz World. And the winning team uh, get a Formula One factory tour and simulator challenge. I'll take second place. All right, Donnie, we got some listener questions. Why don't you tell us about the first one, and then we'll just toss it around the whole table. Yeah, so iRacing Ozzy asked us two questions via Twitter this week, and we're going to answer them. So first one, um, at iRacers Lounge, love the pod, best sim racing by far, best in sim racing by far. Uh, two questions. This first one, uh, Texas, do you think pressure is building on NASCAR to run a reduced power package for the next-gen cars? Potentially that crap lower package we had uh, last year, essentially. So he's wanting to know, do you think Texas will lower, essentially get the corner speeds down by lowering the horsepower? And what's that going to do to our, our, our racing? God, I hope not. Um, I mean, that would be a knee-jerk reaction to try to, you know, oh, everyone's getting hurt, so let's just slow them down a little bit by lowering the horsepower. We'll put a tapered spacer in there or something like that. There is some inside talk that I think they're actually looking at is a redesign of the front and rear clips that is going to give more of a crumple effect and basically have the car take more of the impact that it's taking. The sides are going to supposedly going to be, be just as rigid, but they are going to make basically the front and back essentially weaker, but in a, in a way that absorbs more impact. So it's probably going to result in a less, little bit less durability, but probably more durable drivers. I heard they're going to reconfigure the track. The taxes, yeah. Well, yeah. if you listen to the download, there was a whole big, you know, debate over chopping it up, going for, for like Miami style, or or just narrowing the track to where it only has the two the two lanes that you can currently run. Um, but I mean, the pavement's only what five years old, so who knows what they're actually going to do? Yeah, the problem I think is all the. Uh, the uh, gunk they put up there on the top of the track. I think that's where they're having the biggest problem. Yeah, they had, they had the right idea of of going progressive banking, but but making the inside flatter instead of bringing in more banking on the outside. Uh, but but also, this has been brought up quite a few times. They need to come up with a way to make a durable asphalt, but that still wears tires out. Yeah, and apparently the tires that they're they're making now are too hard. They don't wear at all. But um, kind of what the, the listener was, so for us in the sim, we don't blow tires. So tire pressure really isn't a, an issue for us for the most part. But um, I guess you blew a tire last week, David. But for these guys blowing tires in real life, for them to cut the horsepower down, slow them down in the corners, I mean, we kind of have to mirror real life to make uh, the sim what the sim is. But, yeah, I only heard what you guys said about the car last year. I didn't buy the car till this season only because I heard of all the crap from last season. So I didn't want any part of it. Um, but yeah, who knows what they're going to have to do. But to David's point, they most likely will uh, redesign the front and rear clips. They're going to have to. Yeah, the tire that I blew... Sorry, the tire that I blew was was just uh, because I think damage was causing it to wear too much, and it, and it just wore down to 0%. But we don't have tire failures like they were having. It's disappointing well, my, that this next-gen car doesn't have built-in crumple zones from day one. Like, they didn't think about this. I mean, they had it in the old car. The old car would crumple everywhere. I mean, it was quite safe. And so this one, they had nothing. Everything's as rigid as can be. 
Yeah, that's something that's designed in every streetcar nowadays, and so it is a little bit surprising that that they it's like duh did away with the safety feature. Basically, yeah. I'm curious what the IMSA cars are now. I'll probably do some research uh, this weekend. Those GT4, GT3 cars are they designed in the same way where they have removable front clips, like they just bolt on, like the Cup cars do? Or are they just pretty much manufactured off and then built to be GT4 cars? It's hard to say. You'll have to do your research and let us know. (laughs) So a lot of my understanding is with these corner speeds being high, it's just because they have so much, you know, their downforce is is increased and they can carry more speed through the corner. Um, Would it be, would it be more beneficial instead of lowering the horsepower? um, Because even with a lower horsepower car, you can still get up to speed. It's just harder to, you know, it's it's going to be more of a uh, a race where you have to keep your momentum up in a lower in a lower horsepower car, but you can still get up to those high speeds. And if the downforce is still high, you're still going to be carrying a lot of speed through the corners. You know, to me, it seems like they would want to make it to where the downforce on the corners is less, and they have to take you know have to reduce speed to to be able to get around the corners. Yeah, you don't change the body. You, you you take off all the garbage on the bottom of this car, the fins off the back, at bottom, uh, the the spoiler thing on the on the the front, the side skirts that go that you know seal it down to the track on the sides, the flat bottom. Get rid of all that flat and let it look like a regular car where you can see the transmission and everything. And and get rid of that downforce. That would be enough, Brian, to get it to what you're talking about, to have it where it doesn't suck to the track. And then increase the horsepower. Do just the opposite and increase it. Yes, And, and that exactly. way they have to break for the corner. They have to slow down for the corner. Well, they, were, they were talking, too, that they were you know, running lower uh, pressures in the tires to get the back end lower to the ground, which was doing something to diffuser that was giving a more downforce also, and then having tire blowouts. And the crew chiefs want them to change a shock rule so that they don't have to do that with the tire pressure so they can keep that downforce. Well, this is where you get into that whole war of, uh, what is it, arms race, you know, with NASCAR. They're finding already, just in the first year, they're finding more downforce. In the, and so... You just got to take it some, take it well, away somewhere else. You don't, you don't remember the days of the fifteen thousand dollars shock. <laughs> you know, you'd have specialist shock specialist on the team. You know, and they would have fifty shocks in the truck that they could pick from. You know, and and so the new the new rules. I mean, there's one shock. That's it. They, there is no shock specialist anymore. You know, so I understand the reasons behind the rule, but like. Like Rodney Childers said, you know, hey, there's a, you know, there's an air pressure minimum that Goodyear says, and guess what? I've run my tires below it all the time, is what he said. I never run it at the minimum. Yeah, growing up late '80s and then following the sport to the '90s, I don't remember caring about parity. I just remember the best teams won, the best teams built the best cars, the fastest cars. And uh, throughout time, they just developed into being the powerhouses. But now we we want this parity for some reason, which is, I don't know, fine, I guess. But, but it's supposed to keep the cost down and whatnot. But if they're wrecking all the cars, how how is that possible? I guess that's why we have 20 different winners, huh? Yeah, I mean, some sports have, have uh, parity, like um, 
you know, NFL has a salary cap, so you can't like go crazy with with uh, free agents and stuff like that. And then you have sports like baseball that doesn't have a salary cap, and you have some teams with $250 million budgets playing against teams with $30 million budgets. So um, so there's instances in, in other parts of the sports world that have these uh, parity issues as far as how much money they put into them. So, I mean, I think it's a little bit more in racing. When you put that money in, you get better results uh, more consistently than you do maybe in, in uh, other sports. But it ha- you see it in other sports as well. Yeah, rip the bottoms off, right height rule, get them four inches up off the ground, five inches off the ground. Guess what? Increase the horsepower another 200. Man, I bet you it'd work. Are they saving any money reducing the horsepower from 900 to 700? Does that even save anybody money? One of the th- oh, reasons they, they want to do that is they're, they're say, they, they say, we hear this from Bobby all the time, they want the engine to be more representative of what's sold in the, uh, in the, in the shop. So they're about two or yeah. four cylinders too many for that. Yeah, well, that's right. one of the things that they they wonder is well, when do we just go ahead and go to a supercharged or turbocharged six? When the new they're just wait until it's out. electric. Now we'll get a we'll get a V six hybrid or or a, a four cylinder turbo hybrid. You know, you're gonna make me bring out my uh, Tony's favorite sound effect. It happened All with right, the Formula One two. cars, and they went faster. All right, question two uh, from our listener: Would you recommend A, B, and C open or the f- Excuse me. Would you recommend A, B, and C open or the fixed series if you were looking to increase your I rating? Fixed equals less time and less of a loss when wrecked. Open equals potentially more patience, but higher gains, losses for good or bad results. A lot of the guys who really crank their their I rating up high, like like you know, I interviewed Derek a few few months ago they they gained most of it in truck and b and kind of tend to actually stay away from a because all of your especially with uh in, with the uh, nis you just have everybody rushes to the a car because they want to r- run that and then the p the b car is going to have people who are working their way up or who have gotten sick of all the people in a so if you you could possibly you're going to have some tougher competition actually in A or in B or C in in some sense because of that, but at the same time, you're not going to be dealing with some of the complete nib rods that are in uh, A class. Uh, so yeah, when I a couple of years ago I had this exact scenario play out in in my own i racing career for back or lack of a better term, um, I was racing fix and I just completely stopped. Uh, and went strictly open. So I raced the full truck open last, last season. I'm doing the B open this season and then next year, full-time NIS. But, uh, but after this weekend, this past weekend, I think I can care less about I rating at this point. So I think if you get to that point and just race to have fun and not just to have fun and not take it serious, but you still want to be competitive, but to stop thinking about that I rating number as much. And because it can actually ruin your, the fun that you're having on the service. I think if you get too fixated on that I rating number. Yeah. Especially in a season like NIS, it's not the normal 12 weeks, like everything else on I racing, it's 36 weeks and you're going to have good weekends. You're going to have bad weekends and those bad weekends. I mean, you race three, four or five times. You can lose three, 400 I rating real easy. And so you got to let it go. You got to quit watching those numbers. Guess what? I don't pop up the results after the race and, 
see how many I rating or safety rating I lost or gained. I just don't. I'm beyond that. And as soon as you guys get beyond that, you're going to enjoy it. Enjoy it for what it is. It's a competition. You're in a series. You're trying to do good. You're trying to get points. That's the goal. It's not about, oh, I need to get to, you know, 3,500 I rating or whatever. That's not a, I mean, that's a goal, but let it go. Let it go. And you don't get nothing from it, to be honest. You just get put in tougher splits and you'll never win. I mean, that's, that's just is what it is. I mean, you might become good and win eventually, but, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's a point of pride sometimes to get into the tougher splits, but then like you just said, you never win. Now I don't check my I rating afterwards either, but I'm definitely aware when I'm on a slide and the last three weeks have been atrocious for me. I gained 400 I rating at Daytona and now I'm down 700. Uh, to more on Mike's point and to agree with you as well, David, um, if your high, I rating is higher, like yours is your ninth place, is way better than my ninth place. You're just going to gain a lot more points than I am mm. racing those higher splits. So you're going to achieve more championship points throughout. But it's all what you want to race for. Um, but I'll have the story and the results later of why I think I finally decided to stop caring about I-rating. But and that, just have fun. Race. Um, set some kind of goal for yourself. But, um, yeah. yeah when, I don't, when I don't make top split now, I'm like, cool. I'm not having to race the aliens. So, Steve, you're in a unique scenario. You know, let's tell our listeners about, I mean, you've been racing league forever, and you have not been on official. And now, as of, you know, yesterday, you've changed course. You're official. And so how do you look at it? Are, are you concerned about your I rating? I'm probably more worried about my safety rating. I mean, even last night I got eight incident points and, you know, I was at five, nine, nine or a four, nine, nine, and it dropped to like 4.7. I was like, Oh my gosh, I lost, you know, that much safety rating. So that's probably a bigger concern. I mean, I'd like to move up just, so I'm, you know, hopefully racing with some better guys, but I mean, if I've got teammates racing, then that's awesome. But my safety rating is probably my biggest worry. That's why I've got to get out of my head. That's probably why I haven't raced in, you know, NIS or any of the opens. But I think, um, you know, maybe yeah. I'm a little better, better at watching what's going on in front of me. I don't know. You might you'll you'll never really dip below 3.0 or or you'll it, never lose you your have, license. Yeah, it. Um, you have enough long races that you just have a you just have one good clean race and it just flies right back up. Um, I don't I don't think since I've been to A I've had to worry about it. Well, that's good yeah. to know because that's that's my worry. <laughs> I'm a little bit sloppy, Steve. You know, I if you look at my stats over a season, I I'm usually one of the guys that has the most incidents, but I don't lose my license. Do you get an award for that at the end beer. of the year? Hold, I hold should. My beer. He is now. I, all I gotta say is hold my beer. Hang on a second. You gotta wait on this one. I'm pulling up the NIS stats, and we're just gonna see who has the most incidents. And to, for Steve's comment, um, I used to care a ton about safety rating, uh, to where I think it would affect my driving. Uh, but this past three week stretch, and I know we all like to say it wasn't our fault, but I can truly say I went from four nine nine to like two point seven five in a stretch of like four races. And it was just, I don't know where we were. We were in Kansas and um, Bristol, oh, it was Bristol. 
Bristol. And it, it is what it is sometimes. I mean, you get caught up in these these um, these mopes incidents, and it, it just happens. And now I think I'm 375 now. It just comes back up depending on the track you're at, I guess. All right, so here it is. Leading the number of incidents in, uh, in NIS is me with 552 for NIS. Oh. Now, you, have, you have a lot of starts, though. Yeah, I do. Uh, I have 80 starts, and the next person down has 52 starts. But my what is my safety rating sitting at right now? And bear, I've been on a slump, and it's 364. And I've been getting wrecked out of a lot of stuff. Your safety rating will be fine. And I I would contend that your I rating is going to probably crank up quite a bit until you f get around the guys that you're supposed to be around. And that's kind of oh. – the I rating system works pretty well. If, you, if you're running a lot on averages, it's going to be putting you against the guys you should be racing. Now, I just did an interesting sort. I got a different result. I went to division, all divisions, NIS open, sort by incident count. Number one, Kevin Chalk, Kevin Chalk, 841. Now, he has 100 stars. He started 20 more times than me. Uh, Andrew Seath, second. Rob Mesh, third. Patrick Gassler, fourth. Mike Ellis, fifth, with 584. David, you were 552, so I actually have a few more than you do. Yeah, and a lot of these names that I've seen here at the top of this list are not guys that I consider dirty drivers at all. They, they just run a lot, and when you run a lot, you're right there when all the wrecks happen. That's true. These are regulars in the series. Uh, and I don't worry about license, Steve. That's the point of the whole conversation. So even though I have, I'm fifth highest in incidents, I never lose it. So don't worry about it. That's the uh, that's the message. Okay, I won't. I'll try not try to get it out of my head. I agree, though, that open is better than fixed. You just generally get better racing. You get a little bit more separation um, and a little bit more preparation from the drivers. Not, I mean, you got that one or two guys that are showing up right, right, twenty minutes before the race, asking for setups, but you you don't see that as much as as you're doing fixed. And for open, if you want, you have the opportunity to learn yourself and make your car better to to suit your needs, and that'll just naturally make you faster. All right, we definitely appreciate those listener questions, and we'd love to see you guys send those in more. Uh, definitely gives us some great content to, to just be able to basically beat a topic to death. It's just not an average news topic. So please send those in to us at, at Twitter or on the forums or on our Discord. Come join our Discord and interact with us, and we'll have some great discussions. Let's move on to events. We have the iRacing 2013. 22 Petit Le Mans. It's an endurance race that's held at Road Atlanta in Brasselton, Georgia. It's a marquee event for IMSA in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. It's going to be the weekend of December 7th through 9th. It will be the standard IMSA cars. It will be the standard start times. All right, we've got the 22, the 7, the 12, and the 16, all GMT. Got to have a roller license of a D-Class 4. The sim start time is going to be set for October 1st at 11.20 a.m., so it will go into the evening as far as the where the actual sim simulated sun is. 30-minute warm-up, attached qualifying. Uh, and let's see, where's the – I'm looking – the field size is 45, and I'm looking for the incident limit. Uh, stop and go after 50, and then every 20. 
I will not be running this because it's October. And that's your busy month for uh, marching band, right? Yeah, contest or concert every week, pretty much. All right, and I got the iRacing SCCA runoffs. The national championship runoffs is the end of the year championship race meeting for Sports Car Club of America club racing competitors. Divisional champions and other top drivers from the SCCA's 116 regions are invited to participate at the runoffs. National championships are awarded to the winners of each class. The iRacing version will use super sessions. Top 40 drivers and the points for the week in each of the corresponding series will be eligible to race in the super session. However, if someone doesn't show, the next highest person will be promoted. They are going to be broadcasted on Race Spot uh, for eight hours of wall-to-wall racing across multiple disciplines. This is October 17th through the 22nd. The super sessions are the 22nd and 23rd. I'm looking here, Mike. The USF 2000s on here. Uh, I just painted mine up over the weekend, so uh, there's a car in there for you. There you go. I've been having fun with that car. But I have to get now, my GMT chart out. I can never do the super sessions on Saturday. I work, so I, I never get a chance for these. There's a new set of pedals entering the market and they look promising. SimCoaches is finally releasing a set of load cell pedals. They've taken their years of knowledge building pedals and created a set of load cell pedals at an affordable cost. No longer worry about not being able to fill the car under your feet or wondering where the limit is. Have confidence as you enter corners and know the car is going to stick. There's no higher quality pedals on the market. They're even offering their lifetime warranty with the pedals. Take the leap and upgrade to SimCoaches today. Go to SimCoaches.com to pre-order your set of load cell pedals and say big when you do. Use promo code iRacersLounge. You won't regret it. Okay, podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for other listeners to find us. Please mention the podcast to your fellow drivers during the caution and let them know uh, about us. Don't forget to check out our Discord and the website, iRacersLounge.com. We are on regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network and the Sim Racing Channel on Roku TV. Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. Yeah, guys, so uh, Texas Motor Speedway last weekend. Uh, winning the week was Louder Racing. Res Dog finished second, and Silver Mustang 91 was in third. Uh, as far as the team Tafosi goes, uh, there was a tie. Egg and uh, Donnie Spiker both finished tied with 219 points. So, uh, really good. Congratulations to those two guys. It's crazy. Um, that was uh, that was it for the top fifteen for our team. Um, I know I didn't change my drivers. I didn't get a chance to do it, so I got nothing. I'm sure I was dead last. I'm sure Mike probably Be still me. has Kerbs in his lineup, so um, I don't think he's doing real well. <laughs> thirty eight this week. It's either thirty seventh or thirty eighth every week. It's great. I, I think Bobby. Uh, oh no, uh, Bobby beat me. Mike's gonna probably. 
probably put um, Alex Bowman in next week to get some extra playoff points there. Grayson's going to, I think, take his place. That, that'll be interesting. A little bit better car. He doesn't want to get hurt, though. I'm so surprised he was taking that ride. I, I think if that, yeah, that phone call comes, you can't say no, because he could be an eventual replacement full-time for Bowman in a few years. Well, I think he was running anyway, though, in some other lesser car this weekend. Yeah, he'd been in the 62 car. He said he he said he was just trying to stay out of trouble riding in the back so he didn't get hurt, so he doesn't hurt his championship running in the Xfinity series. Yeah, I wonder if he changes that up this weekend at Talladega. Well, I don't know. I guess at the plate tracks, the 62 car is actually a pretty good car, so he might not have that much different of a philosophy going into it. Probably right in the back, like I said. So, Brian, how about the playoff points? It It's looking like there's three uh, really in the running here. We've got number one, Bud Dog, 858. I'm not a professional, 855. And then iRacing Mason, 854. So they're all within four points, uh, the top three. Yeah, it's a real tight battle at the top of the playoff standings. Um, um, Donnie's leading the uh, all the uh, Tafosi guys in the playoffs. So uh, and I don't see anybody else in the top 15. So Donnie's got the inside line on the playoffs. for Make us proud. I'll try. It's 35 points back, but who knows? It could happen. Don't pick Alex Bowman. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. So you're looking for that next sim rig upgrade, or maybe your man cave needs a little bit more style, or is your wife wanting to relocate your home? Well, we here at Supreme 3D Printing have you covered. We create and print tons of different and useful items that is sure to fit everyone's style and budget. If you don't see what you're needing, then feel free to contact us if you're needing them. And I'll say again that the, the little dots that he made me to mark the field have definitely been a time saver this year. And I know some of you guys have been using it for sim racing equipment as well yeah i mean kyle who's on our team runs a supreme 3d printing and he can literally print anything you guys want you know if you contact him and need something custom or special he'll hook you up you know david came up with a very unique uh product that probably nobody else needs at all <laughs> uh, for a marching band and uh and he was successfully able to deliver it I mean, as far as what he's given me, you know, the the fan, the fans, I guess it would be called the wind sim uh, stuff. Uh, he got me some nice brackets for those that worked out really good. All right, that takes us into hardware, and we're going to start with a title. The Sim Hub is to extend the compatibility. So, uh, Steve, tell us a little bit about this one. Yeah, the Sim Hub compatibility will be extended to our upcoming formula C. SX3 wheel. By popular demand, the display of the top-notch wheel will be SimHub friendly, providing a new level of customization, which everybody knows SimHub's a great software for uh, all kinds of stuff, sound and vibration and uh, wind displays, wind, all kinds of stuff. It's a great, great program. I use it for all my vibration. Yeah, I use it for my vibration, my wind sim, and now my cube controls F Pro wheel to control the lighting. And so basically this post from cube control saying the SIM hub compatibility will be in their new wheel that's coming out, which is a formula wheel with a display, I believe in what is what it is. Um, 
And so far I've liked it. I've actually downloaded a profile somebody put together um, that like, for example, if I turn on the pit limiter, the, the lights on the, on the steering wheel flash to kind of let me know it's on the pit limiter. And as soon as I turn it off, it stops flashing. And so you can program little, you know, stuff like that in it. So I've been kind of watching the Facebook groups, looking for other profiles that do more functionality because I, I just haven't taken the time to try to figure out how to, how to program it myself. There is also a video here of the new wheel uh, teaser. And so there's a 27 second video put out by Cube Controls that does show that wheel. Um, it kind of shows the guy using a, a tablet with a pen, you know, kind of designing it, you know, CAD style. Uh, and you can kind of see the, the CAD drawings, like, you know, glimpses of it, you know, to get an idea of what kind of wheel it is. I must say, I mean, I, I can't be more than happy with Cube Control purchase. I mean, the wheel has been great. It's lived up to expectations. And I've had, oh, the only problem I've had is the Bluetooth connection, but it has, it's a non-issue because the cabling uh, with the magnetic connector has been just gold. I mean, it just works great. You just need a wheelbase to go with your wheel. Uh, yeah, that doesn't crap out on me. Well, while we're talking wheels, the next item on the list is um, from P1 Sim, and it's the P1 Arnage, running at about 900 euros. It's a nice-looking Formula One rim. I like the button layout. Yeah, it actually looks really good. It has that 4-inch LCD at the touchscreen LCD as well, right in the middle of it. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, the, the steering wheel looks like a U, like there's no upper part of it. It's just like a U, the bottom. Um and a nice button box, like you said, there's a lot of buttons within reach without really taking your hand off. I think it's a pretty good value. Now, we've seen P1 Sim before. They're from France. And their other wheel that they have, let me look at it, is called the A Rouge. And we've seen that before. And that was kind of an upside-down use. So it's kind of a different design they're going with on this particular one. Um, and so they call it the Arnage. It's 290 millimeters. Um, is normal Perfect 305 size. typically? Or? 300. Yeah. Most people want 300. Uh, I think mine is 290. I think I can't remember it, but I think the formula from Fanatec is is 280. 270. 270. Yeah. 270. But but I like that. Um, just because I'm small. <laughs> right. It makes it easier to turn. Um. Probably not, because that wider is actually a little bit more to leverage. Like if you wanted to, you know, go from right to left really quick, I, guess, I think the shorter one or the smaller one would be easier, right? Yeah, I guess you get a little bit more speed, but you actually require a little bit more strength. But I'm okay there. So, so we've been covering the Nvidia situation lately. Uh, we talked about y'all. Actually, I didn't get to talk about it. We all talked about the um, EVGA story that i came across last week this one yeah they quit making cards yeah this one nvidia's 40 series is off to a rocky start yeah brian i'll take it yeah jay-z okay. two senses youtube um or he posted to his youtube channel uh detailing his findings on the new card from nvidia uh, lots of different spec option or um issues and including the power supply i think this one puts out 600 watts just the car card alone 
Um, I'm not familiar with NVIDIA. I went uh, with Radon with my graphics for the most part. Uh, so what did you guys think of it? So this video is a must watch if you're going to buy one of these cards because he basically warns a potential overcurrent or overpower risk, which really means fire. It's a, uh, okay, is what it boils down to. And, and the summary here is don't mix the older power supplies with the new card. Yeah, I remember actually I was I found this one as well, didn't I? This this guy's been coming up on my algorithm a lot now because I watched one of them. And you you basically got it right. It has to do with the older power supplies and the card not communicating how much voltage they need, essentially. Uh and so it, it's just it has the potential to to fry the computer and start a fire. Yeah. Yeah, so the power supplies, there's a new versions of them that are called ATX 3.0, and they have what we call Gen 5 adapter plugs. So when you look at the power adapters, they have the normal four-pin plugs, but then there's a smaller pin that's kind of piggybacked on it, and that's a communication uh, that the older power supplies don't have. And so what he was saying was, if you match up this card with the older power supplies, that communication's not happening. And so the power supply doesn't know what's attached to it. And apparently that communication matters now when we're dealing with so many watts. Hey, he said the, uh, that this card could take, it could take all the power. If you had a 1200 power watt power supply, it could take it all the power when it was starting up if it's not communicating with the power supply. Whoa, and, and what crazy. kind of hazard is that? Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. You guys installed a fire extinguishers in your cases, right? An automatic one, you just push a button, it goes off. Uh, no, I'm start, I I'm, actually I was gonna say I'm sorry. starting I'm starting to lean more towards that uh fish tank cooling system. I have a fire extinguisher sitting here next to my rig though. We have one in the hallway. So I was thinking after watching this video, I mean you know, if you buy this card, you got to get a new power supply. I mean, there, there's no question. Uh, I mean, it's got to be this ATX 3.0 um, compatibility with the Gen 5 adapter plugs. Otherwise, say, you're going to have these problems. Yeah. And I'm going to say you really probably need another a, a strong system that's not to uh, not more than a year old anyway with this card, or you're not going to get you're going to be CPU lagged, and you're not going to get the full potential of the card anyway. Do you guys use PC part picker at all when building computers? Uh, I think actually, yeah, because like my my system, Bobby basically put it together for me, and it I just clicked on PC part picker and just bought each thing separately. Yeah, I'm curious now. Um, I have a few builds in there. Well, I'm going to probably build my son a, a computer for his birthday, but I just, I'm going to throw that 4090 card in and see uh, if it even flags anything. I'm sure it will by now that what's not going to be compatible motherboards and whatnot, especially what you're saying, if anything's over a year old, it's, is it going to be worth it? When I bought I my thinking. 2080, sorry, when I bought my 2080, the first computer that, that I had for sim racing, it didn't fit in the case. I, I pretty much yeah. it was like, Oh, got to buy a new computer. This is a four um, slot card, right? It's, it's huge. Yeah. Oh. The biggest card before this one was three slots. Now this one's four. Yeah, I've only got two so, slots on my motherboard. I had a low FPS problem at Talladega this week, which made me start thinking, 
man, I'm on the super 2070. It might be time to start thinking of another build. And I was thinking, wow, if I bought a 4090 and a new power supply to go with it, then I'd have to wait for that. I get that new uh, X3D chip from AMD. You know, I have to get a new motherboard to go with it. I mean, I could probably reuse my hard drive and my RAM, maybe my case, but that would be about it, right? Why not just bump up to the like a 3060 or 70? Well, that was an idea that Tony Rochette was telling me today. He's like, forget the 4090, the 4080, uh, wait for the 3090 and the 3090Ti to be like rock bottom price. Because once those other cards come out, you know, he's expecting those prices to drop even more. MSI's got... Say again, we, dro we, we you dropped after MSI. Uh, MSI's coming out with a, a uh, 4090 card that's water-cooled that only takes two and a half slots. That might be options for people, too, because I've got 3080 in mine, but I've got, like, three different um, audio cards, so I, I don't think I could go to four slots. Ooh, that water-cooled one sounds pretty cool. How do they make it so thin compared to the, the you know, the, the Heritage Edition? Well, the, uh, the fans are probably a big chunk of the size. Oh, I see. So the fans are gone, obviously. That's why it's small. Yeah, there's one fan. Just Lost you again. There's uh, one small fan on the, uh, CP, on the GPU, and then there's two fans on the uh, radiator cooler. Yeah, so... I guess the message on this video is do your homework if you're going to buy a 40 series card. You need to go watch Jay's Two Cents, watch all of his videos, basically. Well, Mike, somebody who's done a little homework for us is uh, Carl Gosling, and he's posted some information about the Moza R9. <laughs> this is one of the most interesting hardware reviews in sim racing I've ever seen. And I have seen a lot of them. This guy is not happy with this company <laughs> but he and he lets us know about it yeah he tells us what he thinks of moza um he's done a review of, of their stuff before and now he's going to review this moza r9 and the gt wheel and so they wouldn't send it to him because apparently they don't like carl gosling and um so he went out and paid his own money uh, for this stuff. And then he put up his uh, video, his review video. He said the workmanship is shoddy, cheap, uh, plasticky, uh, you name it. Uh, lots of bad craftsmanship, that kind of thing. Yeah, he went over with a fine tooth comb and he was finding all the flaws and pointing them out. A lot of it has to do with machining, so it might not be the same on each model, but you're right. Um, he went through this review. He was, per he didn't seem like he was upset. He was just being, in his opinion, brutally honest uh, about the wheel. And actually, I think he determined it to be overpriced, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, he might be burning some bridges uh, with a video like this. I don't know. Are other you know manufacturers concerned? to get on his wrong side, you know, but I mean, he's got some points. I mean, he, he shows on the wheel gaps, you know, between the plastic, you know, there's like, it should fit together with a nice tight finish. Like on one side, it meets the two pieces of plastic meet, but on the other side, they don't. And so it's just little stuff like that. 
Well, you get some reviewers and you feel like, I don't know if they're, they say they're not getting paid, but when you listen to the reviews, they just don't feel like they're authentic um, and they're honest, true, honest reviews. But with this one, so I just hope on the other end, he's not a fanatic fanboy in being paid by uh, Fanatec because he, he compares the two wheels um, when he does the video, but he seems to give you an honest opinion of the Moses system. So I would have to appreciate that. Well, you would hope that every of the every one of the reviewers has at least found something in the product lines that that they don't like. If you, somebody has nothing but positive reviews on everything, uh, what what kind of value does that have? Well, I was entertained. I wasn't expecting that from Carl, but uh, when he started going south on him a little bit, it was entertaining. I'll be honest. I'll start watching his his review videos more to see to what they're like. If um if he's just not singling out Moza. Uh, like, like maybe has a vendetta, like you mentioned, but I don't know. I appreciated the candid honesty. You need that when you're spending so much money on the stuff, you want a good, honest review. He did. He did say that wheelbase drove good though. Yeah. Well, we can definitely agree that he doesn't think it's the prime choice for a, uh, uh, a system, but are there any Europeans that are looking for a prime cockpit? Uh, what do you think, Steve? Yeah, JT Omega Racing announced via Instagram a deal on their new prime cockpit for buyers out of the European Union. Um, looks like they can save 100, was that pounds? Another 50 pounds? Yeah. And uh, yeah, pounds. And it's time to pre order right now if you want the discounts. You can uh, make a great savings if you are in either the in Great Britain or the EU by pre-ordering the Prime Cockpit ahead of its return to stock. So you might want to go there. It looks like a really nice uh, rig. Looks like a 160 series. It's not bad. I mean, I've honestly have said some bad things about GT Omega in the past, <laughs> only because their original cockpit they put their monitor a hundred feet away from the steering wheel. I mean, it's so far out there. I just shudder whenever anybody buys that cockpit, like on Facebook marketplace, some guys like, Hey, I'm going to buy this GT Omega. What do you guys think? And Oh my God, I just shudder because the, the monitor is so far away. Now that's their pipe, you know, black pipe uh, version cockpit. Now, I want to give them some kudos. They got a nice 80-20, you know, Sim Labs P1X clone kind of cockpit. Not total clone, but it's not a bad unit for the price. That pedal base looks pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got a crossbar there for you can put a gear shift, and it looks like some nice monitor mounts, kind of like, you know, what Sim Coaches has, uh, but a little thinner. It's not bad. Yeah, they, they, a few of the rigs are on my list. Uh, I made my decision this week. I, I pulled the trigger and bought a chassis, uh, but this company was on the on the short list, but uh, ended up not choosing or going with them. But yeah, like you're saying, the, this Prime cockpit um, looks pretty good. Got You can mount the monitor, it looks like, with their own um, designed uh, monitor mounts. Yeah, kudos. I mean, it's a nice-looking unit. Um, and if you're in Europe, I mean, you definitely want to consider it. All right, Brian, I'm 
We're looking at this next one, and you and me are kind of the two big VR guys. Uh, what do you think of this new VR set coming out, this Pico 4? Looks like they're trying to, to line it up about the same competition as, in the price range as a, as a Quest 2. Yeah, pretty much that's right. Um, so it's a Pico 4. It has a um, resolution of, of 4K, which is a little over 4K, which is like 2150, I think, per eye. So um, so it's in line with like the HP, HP Reverb 2 as far as the um, resolution on the on the uh, screens there. Um, it's a uh, self-sustained so it's like the Quest 2 where, you know, you can play games or stuff without being tethered to any devices or anything. So it works like that. Um, it's got this new, they call it a pancake lens, which is a big flat lens. Um, I, they, they, uh, I saw a review on MRTV, um, and he was talking about the lenses. They're, they're really clear, um, different than the Fresnel lenses like the HP uses. Um he doesn't know if that's going to increase FOV yet because he hasn't had a chance to do a full review on these because they're still still in like a pre-order type of stage. He's only got had a chance to use one at a uh, convention type of deal. But uh, his reviews were pretty good. So, but now you know this is an iRacing podcast, so we need to know will this work with iRacing? So, uh, from what I understand, there is a um, a uh, Bluetooth or, or Wi-Fi link that can uh, connect this to a PC device. Like uh, the Quest 2 has a uh, has a wire that you connect to your computer to a Quest 2 to make you be able to let you be on your PC. This will be um, over the air. There won't be a direct wire connection. So, uh, so far it looks... It looks comparable, very comparable to a Quest. Um, nothing, nothing in it is outstanding, um, but, it, but it's it looks like it's going to be a solid set. You know, the weight's not too heavy. You know, being that it's self-contained, uh, it's got a um, it's got an interesting IPD device, which is um, you know the distance between your eyeballs. Um, like the HP has a manual slider that slides the lenses manually back and forth. IPD just right. Um, some systems use a software adjusted IPD, which just uh, software kind of changes the image on the screen to try to match your IPD. Well, this one has a, almost like a combination of the two where you uh, you go into the settings and you enter your IPD, but um, it's, but it's a motorized uh, mechanical unit that opens and closes the, the lenses to get your to get to the IPD that you put in there. So that's kind of interesting, and you don't see that too much on on systems at this price. You know, I think um, I think the real expensive ones do that, but but uh, this one this one has it as well. So not a bad looking headset for this. It's 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 not going to rival you know those uh, the high end ones that are out there right now. But you know for five hundred bucks or less. It, it's, it looks to be like something that might be a, something you want to get into. Now, there's a little bit of a kicker on this article. It's going to be released on October 18th, but that's initially in Europe, Japan, South Korea, and they're looking at Malaysia and China a little bit later. They are actually specifically choosing to avoid the U.S. market and just not try to go face-to-face -face against uh, Meta. Oh. I wonder how the Bluetooth support would be connecting to a PC for like iRacing. I don't imagine that worked too good. Well, I, anything wireless makes me nervous. Delay? 
Yeah, there might be a delay. There's anything that's wireless. It always makes me a little nervous. Also, um, you got to keep the battery charged if, if, if it's a little dead. I mean, I've, I've even heard stories of the Quest dying even while plugged in, right? That it, it can't even charge and stay on at the same time. It eventually will fade out on you. Um, so, yeah, I don't like the idea of it being wireless. Now, most of your newer chassis are going to come with, with Bluetooth built in. Um, or you can get an adapter to easily connect it. But uh, I don't know that we'll be able to say much about it because it's not going to be available in the U.S. anytime soon, apparently. All right. Uh, Scott, or not Scotty. Uh, Steven, we got another one uh, from SimCraft. Yeah, SimCraft announced a new audio package to their Apex 6 GT Pro Sim rig. Um, I watched this. It's a badass rig, um, and the sound was amazing. Mike would probably get run out of his neighborhood with this thing. Yeah, some really nice. Yeah, this is a nice rig. I think it was 129 grand. So if you can afford this rig and you have the space for it, do you hire a personal mechanic to take care of all the little problems that might occur while owning this this rig? But other than that, awesome. This is the same rig that Kyle Bush has and Denny Hamlin has. Yeah, now, they don't have those speakers, though, that I see on the left and right that point right at the guy's elbow. Like, they're six inches from your elbow. Yeah, it's a pretty nice now, rig. Now, there's other drivers, if you watch the video closely, underneath the left and right monitor, you'll see a third and fourth driver. Now, these look like commercial speakers, like... You know, maybe you would install in a ceiling of a living room, you know, a, a professional audio install, like for home theater. You know, that's the kind of look that they have. Um, and obviously, they just mount, mount them there and point them at the driver. I love this video because I really feel like sound is the, is the next immersion thing that people are missing out on. You know, Steve, you're, you're a big proponent of vibration. And, and I want you to talk more about that as we go on this show. But, but I feel like sound is a big part of it, too. I mean, if you can get the right sound and the right SPL, the right sound pressure level, it's very immersive. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's got to be. I think those speakers, too, they kind of look like those speakers they put on, uh, those guys put on their boats, too, huh? Yeah, like a, maybe a, a professional marine speaker. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure with the I'm sure with those with high speed good speakers like that too, you get a lot of reverb and and vibration through it too. Yeah, don't be afraid to turn it up, guys. So we already Not, covered as long as your outside. wife's working, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, she's working swing shift now, so it's working out. I don't we even have speakers for this computer. Yeah, headphones. Uh, headphones with the with the right audio processing is really good at picking up a giving you the sense of direction as well but i do have a butt kicker involved as well because that that shoots out a lot of information it's very very useful all right so next up we've covered this will i believe a couple of weeks ago but it looks like uh they're promoting it again or is it just now being released oh it's on the market today that's that's kind of where we're hitting it again is right it's that porsche wheel for 26 about 25 2600 euros yeah i think i saw it again on a facebook group and somebody was saying, is this the best wheel on the market? And the consensus on that post was, yes, this may be the best one. But it's certainly the most expensive. I don't know. I'm going to want to see Mr. Gosling's review of it. I want to see him flip all those switches and push all those buttons. Also, 
best doesn't necessarily mean dollar for dollar, right? You kind of have to consider if you if you want to say that you have to consider how expensive it is comp- as well. Right, best value. I mean, it looks like spectacular, but what what makes it so much better than a fifteen hundred dollar wheel? That, that Porsche logo. Porsche on it. Yeah, I mean, does that make it the best wheel in the market? Yeah, it's a beauty, though. I got to tell you, upside down U with a screen, some great looking buttons. The next one we're looking at, or I heard somebody key up. Go ahead. Or not. Okay. Next one we're looking at is the uh, 20% off at SemiCube for the, t- t- the Taco GT21. And that's not ta- the kind of taco that you eat. Taco. Oh, sounds oh, taco. Taco. It's a yeah, GC style October wheel. It's got, the, it's got the flattened bottom. It's got, got um, almost, it looks like the, almost like where the buttons where you see on a, a podium hub where it's little clusters of three on each side, single pedal on each side. Yeah, it's exactly what it looks like. Um, it's, it is flattened on the bottom, which is common in the GT cars. On sale now. Semi-Cube. And we're going to stick with Semi-Cube. They're also teasing a new product that is going to be announced on October 27th on a podcast at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Ooh. Wait a minute. That's not Central Standard Time. Why does that say C-S-E-S-T? Is that an Australian time zone? Or Central Europe? Uh, I don't know. We'll go with October 27th. But uh, people are speculating this could be the SimiCube uh, Pro 3, potentially. Yes. All right. I had to Google it. That is actually Central European Summertime. It's been a while since SimiCube came out with a base. So, yeah, it would make sense they you know come out with an updated version. And, uh, man, right when I have all my wheel issues... I, I guess I'll throw that out right now. I mean, every race now, my I'm losing force feedback. I can usually get it back by pushing a button. Sometimes the button doesn't work. And then the only fix is to stop and turn the wheel to the right for four seconds. And then I can go again. But it's really uh, a pain in my butt at this point. And I'm about ready to like say it's time to buy a SimiCube 2. But now I'm definitely going to wait till October 27th and see if there's a new version of the SimiCube before I make a decision. What price point do you think they hit if it is a, a three? It'll be the same price, I would presume. Oh, really? Okay. Because I'm right there with you. I'm ready to pull the trigger on that. I was actually going to wait till the Black Friday season to see if anything came down for that. But if it's the same price, might as well just buy the three then. Right. Yeah, don't get into the old one if a new one's coming. Exactly. A friend of mine has got a Simu Cube, and he likes it, but he says the software on it's a real pain. He says every time he goes to update it, he loses all his settings constantly. Uh, don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you already narrowed it down, Donnie? You were thinking of getting Simu Cube? Yeah, pretty much the, the Pro 2. But, um, yeah, we'll have to see what happens in October. I have heard about the software being very uh, complex, but... Um, great at the same time but if you have to reset your settings every time yeesh still curious about lawrence's and what they plan on doing with theirs um so if i do go with the semi cube i'm gonna have to pawn it off uh down the line to my kid but he's gonna have to fork up the cash for it but he won't be able to afford it so i don't know so i'm i'm hoping if i do go with the semi cube route um we'll see i'm sure lawrence will make something good but i just hope it doesn't 
they don't make it too good that I want to get it over the Lawrence, MQ. hurry up. Get that rim done, Lawrence, so we can get that shifter. That's what I want next. Yeah, the shifter for sure. All right. This next one is kind of interesting because you think about the fact that Denny is sitting in a uh, – Am I, no, I'm looking at the wrong one. Sorry, I've, I've got, I've been, I was two scripts ahead. Uh, first, we have uh, a question from Logitech G, and it's, are you interested in becoming the next eNASCAR star? You know, so a we lot got of this eNASCAR product guide, right? Yeah, and these stories are a rehash from last week, but we didn't get them in the script last week. But we still talked about Logitech. But this is essentially them starting to pro, uh, promote the that pro DD that they're coming out with and a series of, of stories here. Um, so I don't know if we want to talk, uh, continue to talk about the Logitech wheel, but th this is what these stories will be about. Yeah, you're right. We already re went over all these items. Um, I just realized. Well, did we talk about, did we talk about Denny last time? Well, no, I mean, obviously Denny is uh, being sponsored by Logitech. So he put out a tweet about it. Now, this one is really interesting because it makes you wonder with sponsors, he's got a $90,000 rig mm -hmm. and he's mm -hmm. putting a Logitech on it. Well, Lando North is also in a, in a video, a nice McLaren video with the Logitech. And I'm like, I, I know. Well, I don't want to say I know, but I'm pretty sure he's not using. I don't want to say that either. But to David's point, yeah, he's not throwing that Logitech wheel in that $90,000 rig. No, Lando uses the the cube control wheel that I use. I don't know. I hate to, I hate to diss any sponsor that's going to support support one of the NASCAR drivers, but that this is one where I'm like, mm -hmm. it just it just it, it doesn't look good. I guess. Well, I mentioned oh, last week that it seems like the big companies, this company and Thrustmaster, just seem to be a little out of touch with the market, and um, and maybe their own place within. Uh, the quality and the, of the realm of sim racing. I think they think they're number one and number two, but probably aren't. Well, for guys that are just coming in, they'll, they'll probably, I mean, that's what the first thing I bought was a Logitech when I came in. So probably you didn't know better. Oh, 100%, yeah, it, yeah. great entry wheels. Yep. I mean, you can go but, to the store and pick them up and they're not bad. They're durable. Um, they're good entry, but just, I don't know. No, I think that's the point though, is that they'll, people coming into the sport will probably, uh, you know, go with one of those wheels just because they don't know about the other wheels. Cause it's kind of hard to find any information on them. And yeah, is this or, one going to be a good entry wheel? Investment in. Yeah. Is this they one going to invest that much? And is this one going to be a good entry wheel at that price point? No, it's pretty steep. Yeah. For a plastic, yeah. plastic base. Yeah, yeah look at audience. I mean, the people that know that Denny Hamlin has a SimCraft rig that costs a hundred grand is a pretty small audience. I mean, most people don't really realize that that he would never race with this wheel. Um, you know, their their audience, their their marketing for are new sim racers. Yeah, and and Steve's right about about the marketing and getting that that new driver, just like you just said, Mike. But um, I did probably a little bit more research when I started, and I, then I thought Fanatec was the best, so I went the Fanatec route. And then it isn't until you actually get within the hobby, you start to hear and see and and touch other things um, that might be a little bit better. So, did you guys cover these reviews last time, or do we want or do we need to hit them? No, I think we covered it. Yeah, Big we talked about the wheel. Yeah. All right, well, that brings that us expensive. to results.
right, let's finish up. Friday Open, Texas. David, P15. I am scrolling back up on that page. Yeah, we had one yellow, and it put me a lap down because of green pits. I might have gotten closer to a top 10 because I had to run the last stint on older tires. But uh, I still had good long run speed, and uh, this was middle split. That's just about what I had was middle pack speed. I was never really in the front, but I was never really in the back. All right, Donnie, how'd you do? Uh, So-so, I guess. I, I ran with a teammate, uh, Stephen Wow, and he was in my split. Uh, he was ahead of me for most of the race. I started uh, 15th, qualified uh, 15th, ended uh, P13. I don't recall any major issues with this race other than than running, kind of like what David said. But I remember Steven wrecking out maybe halfway through. Um, yeah, P13. It was a decent car, decent set. I didn't hate it um, as much as I thought I would. But other than that, uneventful, P13. So I had to look. I didn't write down what I did. I got P29. I was wrecked out. All right, Sunday open. David Hall. I was the only one who got up. <laughs> Real popular track. Um, I was running decently again, going to be middle of the pack, and this was a top split. And then a guy with fresher tires is coming behind, and I even leave him a lane, and he just kind of doesn't enter low. Instead, enters high enough and hits me. Um, and it's completely unapologetic to, to me. He says, look at the replay, blah, blah, blah. So, but I had looked at the replay. And then when I was waiting on him to look at the replay afterwards, he just bailed out. So, you know, you know. Come to the list, right? Pretty much. Okay, you know, so every, fixed. Every, I'm sorry, everybody makes mistakes. But, and, and, and if I do, I will say it as well. And, and um, I just get annoyed when somebody just immediately casts the blame the other way and won't even go back and look at it, see if they were wrong or right. Yeah, if it's at, if it gets to that point, they won't even bother looking at it, then it's not worth even caring about. Lost cause. All right, Sunday Fix. This was an interesting race. Uh, Steven was P4, Tyler Williamson P11, and I ended up P6. I don't know how to describe that early first run tonight, but after 10 or so laps, Every single driver was hospital loose out of two. I mean, loose, 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 like super loose. Hang on for your life loose. Like everyone, it was just crazy. And so then we had a caution, everyone pitted for tires. The second run was normal. It was like, what happened that first run? Nobody loose off turn two again uh, on the second run. It was weird. It was the strangest thing ever. Uh, we all stuck like glue on the third run. But then after that, it started getting loose again. Um, it was the weirdest thing. I, I mean, I couldn't catch up with the track at all. I don't know if it was a set or what, but I did get some short runs at the end. We had enough tires and I was able to make a run forward and finish P6. Not too bad. Wednesday open, Talladega. This was quite a night. David, you wrecked. Yeah, we were coming to the white flag or we already had the white flag and everybody was split up going three wide trying to make every move. Somebody made a bad move and turn, 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 turn. And at some point, somebody hit me and, and I couldn't even drive the car. It broke both rear toes. It would not move. I don't know who was who because it was just one of those big ones at the end, right? Now, early in the race, I thought I heard you say, 
we're on a breakaway and then later you said the breakaway just wrecked on their own yeah and it and it turns out that was uh because it was uh a mad sim semi teammate that got taken out um in that one we were we had a nine car breakaway we caught up with a couple of lap cars who were able to latch on and then they decided i i don't remember if it was one that had latched on or one that we were passing it just flat out spinned one of spun one of us it's, 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 he spun the guy and uh, that brought the caution out and let the other people catch back up and so it was you know probably could have had the same result at the end anyway because there was still nine cars in the lead lap that could have been zigzagging back and forth but it put more people up there okay my event I got pole position uh, and it was noticeable that we had 12 teammates and team speak to run the event it was packed as I mentioned before, I lost uh, force feedback around lap 20. I could not get it back. Finally, a caution around lap 30. I had to pit, turn the wheel off, turn it back on, ended up dead last. I eventually got to the front, all the way from the back. I led a bunch of laps uh, before our caution with 24 to go. Now we're good on fuel. I was running P3 for the restart. With some more laps in uh, and another restart with eight to go, there was a wreck in front of me. I couldn't miss it. I got clipped and destroyed. Did not finish. I don't even know what I got. Yeah, it looks like Kyle finished P2. He started up uh, P7 and he just kept it clean. Got to the front at the halfway mark and had Tom Dryling pushing me until we had a green flag pit. Pit stop came out of the pits with seven to go and Tom was too nice and let me get back ahead of him to hold the lead. Came to one to go and P3 and four decided to make a run on the top side. I went to block but started to leave Tom behind so I dropped back down to pick up Tom. On the front we decided to go high and tried for the win but just ran out of track, came home with a P2 and Tom with a P3. I led the most laps with 43 and set the fastest lap uh, finishing 0 0.0092 behind the lead. And Tom finished P4. Thank you again to Tom for pushing me around Dega. iRacing Farming has begun a week early. Okay. And then Tony Rochette, he got a P7. Got clipped and damaged early in the race, so I just putted along. Ended up getting fuel for the last caution before the green-white checkers kicked in. Plenty of guys ran out of fuel at the white, so I just zoomed by P7. Steve, it's your turn. P1. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't qualify because I was worried about my safety rating, so I started in the back 27th. And I was lucky enough for my first race with you guys to have two teammates in the split, both Bobby Jonas and Brian McCubb. And this was my first race, of course, with you guys. And, uh, I kind of rode around in the back through a few cautions and then on the uh, third to last caution on lap 58 I went in and got just fuel with Brian and Bobby because I was out of tires I didn't realize that you only got so many tire sets so uh, it didn't seem to matter too much um, so we came out uh, kind of together there with about 40 to go we figured we'd save fuel and finish in the end to the end Another caution came out on lap 85 and all three of us stayed out gaining great track position with Brian running first, myself second, Bobby fifth. I got behind, I was gonna push Brian to the win when the yellow came out on lap 94, I was right behind him about a quarter mile or less from the uh, white flag, which we were kind of bummed. And um, 
Ryan restarted first and I was on the outside in second and I think Bobby was uh, fifth and um, Mike was spotting for all of us and on the last lap Brian ended up uh, behind me and uh, I had a car in front of me and a car to the outside and Mike told me to shoot the middle and so I said I'll go, I'll go for it so I shot the middle which I did and Bobby punted me over the line for the win um, thanks to Mike, Bobby, and Brian for all the help. I really appreciate it. I was definitely outside my comfort zone as I have I have not run an official race in, I, I don't know, it's been a long time. And uh, thanks for letting me be on your guys' team. I really appreciate it. It made me definitely feel comfortable and and uh, helped, me, helped me along immensely. Oh boy, what a finish. I mean, I wish I would have recorded the audio of TeamSpeak last night. It was electric because there were like four or five of us done with our races. We were watching you guys, the three of you, try to win this race. And Brian, oh man, uh, my heart ache, aches just, you know, just aches for you because you had that baby one and you had Steve right on your tail protecting you. And like you said, it was just right before the white, the caution. Yeah, I'll jump in here since uh, there's no sense in doing this uh, re-going over that was a that was a, that was a tough break getting that caution you know we were so close to taking the white and uh, we would have and it wasn't like we were in a big pack with, with Steve pushing we weren't in a big pack that you know anybody was going to challenge us for the win um, so I think we would have been we would have been one two uh, however it finished but uh, that last caution kind of just brought whoever was remaining in the race all back in one big glob and you know when you're in the when you're in, in the first position when you have all those cars behind you on a restart man he's just a sitting duck um so i mean but i was so happy that steve won i was like man if none of us win after we were looking really good uh, you know half a lap before the white flag i was gonna be really upset that none of us got it but i was really excited when i saw steve pull ahead and uh, i couldn't tell what happened in the race i could also tell when everybody started hooping and hollering that uh that uh, steve got it it was awesome I mean, you had a, some good moves on that final restart, Brian. I mean, they were eating you up on the outside. You you took that bottom lane and went up to the middle and like pushed them up against the wall to try to do something, anything to maintain some momentum. But it just wasn't enough. Now I was uh, I was trying. Steve was on the outside and just a little bit, just a bit in front of me on that backstretch. He was starting to pull ahead. The guy behind me who was a, who was very aggressive you know he tried to um he tried to split the middle between the two lines and uh and get up to steve through the middle so i actually kind of blocked blocked him from going up the middle on the back stretch and um you know and that kind of freed steve up to keep from uh keep from getting pressure from that line and uh you know it, it did cost me a little bit because he started pushing me and then steve got in front of me i, I kind of um, i almost wrecked steve on turn three because he was pushing me into steve's left corner and i would have wrecked him if i if i didn't like lift and, and keep off of his uh off of his bumper and, and but but by doing that i kind of my momentum and i just didn't have enough time to, to get back up so but like, like i said man i was just uh as long as one of us won, I was going to be uh, happy with that. And, and I'm just really glad it was, it was one of our guys. 
Yeah, and you, you lost your momentum, and then it was, Steve, you looked like you were going to finish second or third at that point. You were just riding, and I'm like, to the middle, the middle, the middle, the middle. I said it as fast as I could over and over and over, and sure enough, you bounced to the middle, and uh, and 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 then there was a fourth guy that would like got this huge run, and he went around the outside of the guy on the outside, and he wrecked that guy, and thanks to Bobby, this really just hammering into your bumper right at the end you know you got that inch or two you needed to to get the win yeah it was like whiplash in my motion right because it's got surge on it man he hit me hard <laughs> hard and straight on the bumper right and, yeah but yeah, that was perfect. what you needed you know exactly. I, mean, I don't think if he if he wouldn't have hit you i don't think you would have got it no i don't think so either that was a hell of a hell of a punt well I just got to say that moment in TeamSpeak is what I love about being on a team and and racing restrictor plates and and having that audience watch you guys try to mix that up and win it. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun last night. Yeah, I would. I mean, I don't think I would have gone to down there to the to the middle and split those without you telling me to jump down there. So I really appreciate it. Sometimes you need an unorthodox idea to, to do something out of your comfort zone, right? Oh, yeah. Plus, I'm thinking I already got 4X. <laughs> That's my brain. You're worried about your 4X, right? Yeah. This ain't, this ain't the OCRL anymore, okay? <laughs> Mike's, I didn't want, Mike's I didn't just want about to, to crack it. 600. <laughs> I didn't want to have to do a drive-through. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to Thursday Open. Iran P13. Actually ran top ten pretty much all race. I led a bunch of laps. At about fifteen to go, they wreck in front of me. Uh, while I was running about eighth, I got collected. It was seven minutes damage. Surprisingly, the car was still fairly fast, and I brought it home P13. Okay, and then Tony Rochette pissed off. Got the outside pole, just did my thing till I got through a wreck, and an asshat just doors me for no reason. Sorry, Mike, if I hurt your virgin ears with my very loud hot mic obscenities. I got damage fixed and still had good speed while eight to go and was just taken out by somebody ending my race. All right, moving on to official. I ran F2000 at Olton Park. Qualified P8 out of 16. I got wrecked out in lap one. I actually went into the grass to avoid an incident. I ended up in the back. I came around towards the end of the lap and the guy was like, just stop. I went to go around him and as soon as I did, he backed right into me. I mean, I couldn't believe it. He was stopped, I was gonna get around him. And then just as I was coming around, he, he hits the gas and pulls right up into me. Ran it again, I qualified P7, finished P7. Finally got a finish, even though I had uh, spun off on my own, it was, uh, on that last corner, um, but I did work my way up through some attrition. The next one, I qualified P5. I got myself up to second on the first lap. By lap five, I had fallen back to fourth. Then I spun by myself on the last corner and killed the car, DNF. Man, this track, the last corner, if you don't get it right, you, it spins off and you kill the, you knock the front off every time. And so I've, I've been struggling there. How about A open? I ran a rare A open. Uh, I got the pole, my second pole for the week. I tied for the most laps led at 27. Uh, pitting under green worked out fine, was P3 after that. 
but then late cautions that set up a final restart where I got destroyed coming to the checkered P16. Okay, Tony Rochette also in A open. P2 had fun, made it three wide on the white and wiggled just a bit, causing a wreck, but no lifting and plowed my way through. All right, Donnie uh, Arca. Yeah, I ran, um, I ran the C open Talladega Tuesday night, uh, which was a good race. It was, uh, we were actually green for 75% of the first part of the race. And uh, so it wasn't boring. It was just ride around and wait for things to happen. Uh, so I actually used the time to, to gain a little confidence and be aggressive. So I'd work my way up to the front. So that was nice. Uh, ended up finishing P9. On our green-white checkered, something happened to the momentum of the pack to where two laps wasn't enough to build up the, the, full, the full steam that we needed. So the ending was a little lackluster, finished ninth. Uh, for Arca, was at the Roval and uh, decided to give that a go because uh, we're going to be at the Roval next week. And I want to try out the pedals on a stock car. So I built the... Um, the stock car settings for the uh for the sim coaches so that was kind of nice i think i think i have a little bit more tuning to go for for the road course for that road course i should say um i think i finished p9 there can't can't quite recall i lost the um, the script i had to shut it down um and then my boy he was running legends races he was like hey you got to try legends race i've never ran one and he was actually uh top half of the field for speed and i was like well crap I'll go ahead and give it a give it a go. And this is where my I rating story came in, but I uh, ended up getting the pole for the race. Um, in the first lap, I got uh, spun out. The guy did say uh, did apologize, but running my race lab apps, I'm watching my I rating negative 112. I'm going to dip 112 uh, for that spin out running in the rear. Uh, so that affected my entire race. Like I didn't, I wanted to quit, wanted to park. I was like, I'm done. And so I just trucked around for the final laps, and I think I ended up with a drop of 72. But I had a lot of fun, and I was like, nope, I'm, I'm not running another one. And that kind of bummed him out. And I thought, started thinking, like, why do I care so much about the I rating? Uh, and why did I let it affect uh, my mood as much? So I think I'm going to give him a couple more goes and, and see what it's like. But yeah, tonight will be the B Open, and hopefully tomorrow night, um, the NIS race. Other hosted events I ran, uh, Chris McGuire, 87 cars at Talladega, P7. It was actually a great race all the way to the end. There were about 10 or so cars that were in the mix for the win. Very clean racing. Uh, doesn't always happen in the hosted events, but this one, we had a good, good group at the front, and uh, man, what a, what a blast. Brian, OBRL, ARCA. Okay, so Monday night, uh, I was able to finally get into an OBRL ARCA race. Uh, um, so I, I, it was at, we were at uh, Chicagoland. I started, I didn't qualify, I started in the back, mostly because, you know, I haven't gotten a clean race in without having a computer crash in weeks and weeks. So uh, I think I have everything fixed, but I wanted to start in the back just in case. Uh, everything turned out okay, so I started pushing a little, a little bit and started working my way up through the field fairly decently. Um, had some really great racing along the way, you know, side by side that track is tough to pass on um you, you get underneath somebody but it's hard to complete the pass so it it, it created a lot of uh, side by side tough tough racing if if you if you wanted to try to, if you didn't want to give up your position you could really make it hard on people and and that's kind of how it, how it went um there's a caution with about 25 laps to go which which brought the field back together and uh i was uh, in the top 10 at that point and uh 
we got a little separated, you know, we did some side-by-side -side race and got separated from the top group. Um, I finally got clear of uh, P6 and I started pushing to catch uh, P5 and I, I got just about got to his bumper and then my tires started going away. I pushed a little too hard to, to catch that group. You know, I mean, there was only, there was no other way to catch them than overdriving a little bit. So I finally caught the tail of the P5 and then uh, started started to go backwards a little bit and had a couple guys pass me at 10 finished p7 very clean race um really tough racing really good racing a lot of a lot of uh, uh of people driving around each other a lot of respect with with each other it's typical for um for obr or obrl race um so really happy everything went well not only in the race but had went well um with all my uh equipment all right you're back racing all right, Kyle didn't put up a result, but he did put up the IROC Racing Challenge is expanding to a Roval series where they'll run on all Roval courses in the Global Mazda MX-5 Cup car on fixed setup, 40% fuel, forcing a pit stop at least once. Season starts at Daytona Road, November 4th. If you're interested, hit up IROC Series on Facebook. All right, final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. Well, I'm just really happy to be able to race again. Um, you know, things are slowing down a little bit personal, in my uh, personal life. And uh, I was finally able to get my equipment put back together and uh, everything, knock on wood, is uh, is going much better. And then, you know, to top it off, to have that race uh, last night with uh, with everybody on TeamSpeak, um, you know, talking to each other, you know, we had great guys in our split in that uh, race at Talladega. And it was awesome because, you know, we're racing. There, at one point, um, it, we, we were in second, third, and fourth in that Talladega race with Tafosi guys, with me, Steve, and, and Bobby. And, you know, and we're talking to each other and, you know, the rest of the rest of the guys don't know that we're talking to each other and strategizing together. So it's like, man, if it stays like this, this guy in front doesn't have a chance. we got three guys behind us who are all going to be doing this, you know, working together. But it didn't quite end up that way, but it still was just a, a blast of a time. And it's everything that I've been missing over these past couple months where I haven't been able to do a lot of racing. So uh, really happy to be back and I look forward to doing a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Last night was super fun, especially when we're winning and we got a winner. All right, David Hall. Final thoughts. I'd like to definitely welcome Steve to the team. Start off with that, and then um, I want to talk about an A Open where I didn't really publish the result, but a couple of days ago, I had an, uh, a major track position disagreement with a with another racer who I consider, for the most part, a clean racer, but he he tried to pass under the line at Dega. And I've protested that before, and iRacing says, well, they can pass under the line. They just have to rejoin safely. So I held my line. I held it I held it down. He went below the yellow before he got by me. I held the line, uh, and he, he tried to push his way up, and I turned the car left to make sure that he didn't push me back up. And it was a, it was a pretty stubborn motion. It ruined both of our races. We never wrecked, but it, we, we got stu stuck together like glue and, and slowed down quite a bit. He, he – he, uh, mouthed off a lot and uh was said he was going to protest me um and uh i have pretty good information that it's considered a no fault accident um because i was in the right in holding my lane um in fact i protested him and they said yeah we don't think either person's at fault so if you pass under the yellow the guy on the inside lane does not have to let you up 
And so I feel a little bit vindicated with, with that decision, though probably could have got a probably maybe even could have gone against him. I'm fair with a no, a no fault, fine with, with a no fault as well there. Okay, very good. Donnie Spiker, final thoughts. Uh, yeah, I made my uh, my chassis purchase this week. I went with the Advanced Sim Racing uh, the ASR6, and hopefully I get that within the next few weeks and build that up, and then next uh, purchase will be the wheel, but now I'm going to have to wait uh, for that announcement in October. But on that, uh, welcome, Steve, to the team. Nice meeting you, sir. I wasn't on last night. But, um, yeah, hopefully run the B Open tonight and NIS tomorrow. You're going to like that rig. That is a good one. Wow. All right. Steve Thompson, final thoughts. Yeah, this can be a little word. Lost you. Here, I'm back. Um, this can be a little wordy, but I want to uh, thank, I got a big change in my life. I want to thank Dwayne MacArthur for purchasing the uh, Old Bastards Racing League from me. Um, the OBRL is going to be in great hands going into the future with his leadership. He's been admin for the last couple of years and really he's stepped up and helped me run the league so with his leadership and the great admins that are there they'll keep the league running great i also want to thank um eddie jones crisco dakota pisky clay walker greg mcdaniel coco puffs copco ken schultz kevin rupert mike watts and uh, most of all mike schrader for uh helping admin this league throughout the years um and thanks to all the great sponsors that that uh, kept that thing going, Metro Ford of Chicago and the owner, Patrick Milligan, for all the tens of thousands of dollars that he put up for prize money to uh, to all the racers and to uh, Eric Nesbitt from Victory Lane Sports and Greg McDaniel from the Kimball for co-sponsoring the Team Goon, Goon Squad broadcasts on uh, Sunday morning's Metro Ford Cup Series and uh, to Dr. Amy Horneman for not only co-sponsoring my race cars, but also the Wednesday night truck series and Wayne Humphrey for live streaming all the races with his awesome race review at the end of each race. Um, you can check his streams out. What about a Moby racing? He does a great job and he's pretty entertaining. Um, and if you're looking for a great leg, um, go check out the OBRL. Um, you gotta have a 3,500 I rating or 35 years old. So anyways, good luck to those guys. I'm glad, uh, to be over here. I'm glad you guys accepted me or let me try out anyways with a uh, team Tafosi and let me be on iRacer lounge. You don't know how much it means to me. I've wanted to run NIS for a long time and, uh, now I've got the opportunity. I've got the time since, uh, really quishing the league. So thanks guys. You know, I was thinking, Steve, as you read off all those names and responsibilities and different things, man, it must be a weight off your shoulders to not have that on your plate anymore. You know, just to, to hand it off, you, you grew it into this beast, you know, you send it off with good people, and now you're free. You're just free to do whatever the heck you want, right? Yeah, that's it's it's a huge weight off my shoulders. I mean, it's a lot of work, and I mean, I, I was such so fortunate to have you know all these great guys helping me. So, um, I mean, nobody really realizes what it takes to to uh, run a successful league. I mean, we were having you know twenty thirty um, uh, applications coming in a week, and you know we had had one guy that would go through all the applications and see who'd qualify and. I mean, and all the, you know, 
four days a week of racing and i mean it's 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 a ton of work and it's a big relinquishment for me you know to kind of move on because i started this thing wanting to race not really wanting to run a league but kind of got just forced into it i guess <laughs> all right well i'm glad you thought of us when you decided to find a home after your league you know post league and uh, we're happy to have you here at Tifosi. Thanks, Steve, for coming on. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, man, I'm fed up with my wheel, as I said before. I'm done with it. You know, I, it, it sucks when the force feedback stops. It kind of makes me wiggle the car, and I almost wreck every time. And, and sometimes it doesn't come back on, and it's just a pain in the butt. So, yeah, I'm officially looking for a wheel, but I'm going to wait for that semi-cube announcement. Also, I'm going to, you know, with the frame per second problem I had this week, I cut about half of my graphic settings and I still was only getting about 30 frames a second. I don't know what's going on, but man, I'm starting to think it's maybe it's time for a build. Maybe I need a new computer. And so those are what I'm uh, debating. Nothing official yet, but I'm debating. And with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.